for Friday, April 29, 2011. This is episode 122 of Pottervick Weekly. Congratulations to Prince William and Kate on your marriage. Welcome to the place where the story never ends. Okay. Scott, did you make it? I don't hear him. I hear breathing. <laughs> oh, that's not good, Scott. You're a Dalek. All I, hear. <laughs> I know you're talking, but I don't understand any of it. It's that, that, all static. That's not a Dalek. That's like, I don't that even like know what aliens. that is. It was like, it's Scott the alien. Like, oh no. Scott's a duck. <laughs> oh, are you recording it so we can say Scott the duck? Yeah, I think we do. Or oh, it sounds like he's kind of like scratching on the microphone. Oh, and he's really delayed too. Okay, Scott, I'm hanging up on you and trying it, calling you back. All right, I'll be right back. That was bad. Scott still duck? No, but you are. Okay, how about now? No, you're fine, but when you take on and off the headphones, you sound like a duck. As my thing clicking. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Scott, are you back? I don't hear him. Scott, we got one line going, but I'm not seeing any. Ah. <laughs> hey, Scott, you're talking, you're... but we still can't understand a word you're saying. Oops. Hey, ooh, I heard you. There you go. Is that better? That's much yeah! better. Yeah! <laughs> um, I was going to do something. Oh, I know. People want a recipe. Recipes with Sue, yeah. Cooking with Sue. I do have a funny story this week, though. Funny stories are good. On Friday, I always listen to Pofoy on the way to work because it's like an hour commute. Mm -hmm. So uh, my iPod is it was dying, and I'm listening to one of the mid season, I think like mid season two, and Mike is talking with you know Jen and and Ryan and everybody, and my iPod dies, and at that moment I hear. In Mike's exact tone and voice. Yeah, I called Jen. She's not coming. And I turned around. It wasn't Mike, but I, I swear to God, I thought it was Mike <laughs> for like a second. <laughs> and I winked out because I've had this recurring dream that I meet Puffwanians randomly on the CTA, like as mm -hmm. I'm going to work or class. So like, I seriously thought that, you know, for a second, like, is that a Pufuanian? No, it wasn't. It made me a little sad. Aw, they're around. You just never know where. Just not in Chicago. Well, they could be, I suppose. If you're a Pufuanian in Chicago, please sign on to the forums. I'd love to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Since Rosie moved away, it's been very sad for me. <laughs> Aww. Okay, I guess it's time to put Poofo away. Aww. I'm really tired tonight. I need to stay awake. My kids were really good today, and we don't have to take notes on them anymore. And aside from one child calling another child uh, the B word, we were good, you know? And so I just wanted to curl up in a ball and sleep. Mm -hmm. Sleep I'm can be useful. Right now. What'd you say, Trisha? 
I'm just sore as heck. What'd you do? You know that charity that I work mm-hmm. with, Operation Troop Appreciation. We sent out over 70 boxes, and they're about two feet by two feet by two feet, and they're about um, 60 to 70 pounds filled with just stuff from underwear, food. Oh, I did a whole box of ramen noodles and beef jerky, too. Yum. <laughs> uh, toothpaste and anything you possibly can imagine. Clothes, mm-hmm. toys. And after a while, it hurts. My butt hurts now. And I decided to go running today. And I'm running. I'm running. And I'm like, ow, 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 ow. Every step. I thought you forgot your iPod at home. How'd you go running without it? I had my touch with me. Mm-hmm. And so I tr- I tried it out and I didn't I thought I needed the little thing that goes on my iPod. Right. And it and it worked. Cool. I was just like really totally impressed with it. It's just, just too darn heavy to run with. Yeah, I can see that. Hmm. Anybody else do anything fun? How was the concert, Scott? It was good. Yeah. We went and saw the three different university choirs who all came down and they did some parts by themselves and then at the end there was a giant mass choir which was Awesome. I actually have notes this week. Well, um, I have note this week. Note. I got one written. <laughs> but I have, I have a few other things in mind, but none of them are actually written. I have a half a page on the first chapter, and that's as far as I got. Mm-hmm. So. so, like, for five minutes or so, I've been on mute. That's huh. good. Have you been talking? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Mm, dear. I was like, why Why is everyone ignoring me? This is very odd. We don't like you. <laughs> this okay, has, then. Has to I happen guess like, <laughs> every three podcasts, somebody does that. I don't know. Yeah, we're a little strange. It's weird. Well, it's because I have the mute, mute button on my headset. Mm-hmm. Not on my computer, so I don't see myself as muted. I just mute myself. Mm-hmm. Flurry, get down. <laughs> she in the sink? Why she? Why she do? Yes. Why she do this when I'm on the podcast? That's the only time. Because she knows you can't get up and get to her. She's flurry, smart. you little shithead. <laughs> <laughs> I see you. Get down. You need a roll of newspapers or Nerf balls or something that you can chuck into the ch- kitchen. You know what would be really good. A few balls of tin foil. Those <laughs> those wings are pretty good. Just just looking at me like nee, 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 nee. <laughs> I'm going to get there. Oh dear. You I'm will st- never believe it. Yes. I just stood up and she looked at me and got down. And she went and she hid underneath my little um my cart. I told you she was smart. In this episode, we feature typically Pufuanian on-topic discussion. Not only entertaining, but educational as well. <laughs> I can touch my toes to the faucet. I can turn on the sink with my feet. It's like the Manhattan Project. Don't take offense to this, guys. You guys are the most dysfunctional people. <laughs> no, they're not! <laughs> we always laugh before the end. How do think we please where the story lands? Ever ends. Mm-hmm.
Welcome to Potterfic Weekly, everyone. I'm Scott. I'm Sue. I'm Trisha. I'm Kat. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> and this week we, we, make we don't have Scarlet duct taped in the corner. Sad. No. Unfortunately, she has to study for, you know, things like school and exams and stuff. So. Yeah. <sighs> and when this comes out, it'll either be the dead of summer or like September and people will go, why is she studying in September? <laughs> well, yes, well, we're the, from the past. So this week we are continuing or finishing up Moon in Stone. Mm-hmm. Chapters 7 to 12 and the epilogue. And the story is, again, authored by Andrea 13, who wrote the Thinking Cap stories, and Persephone Corey, who also wrote a founder's fic kind of based on those. And they sort of got together and wrote this one which is not in the same universe as that. It's confirmed later on in the story, but you can already tell because some of the things they mention are a little different. Yeah. But I could see, and I'm sure they were written in, in reverse order, the thinking caps were written first and then this one, but I could see taking this one and writing the thinking cap stories from it, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. I would not be surprised if this sorting hat was the same kind of sorting hat, mm -hmm. but. It's not exactly the same because a lot of the things that happened in the longer thinking cap fic that we didn't cover mm -hmm. contradict things that happen in here. Right. And even the fact that the founders were so incredibly surprised by Salazar leaving a basilisk in the school, whereas mm -hmm. in here, as we'll see, they all know about it. Right. So. Yeah, it is a little bit different. But anyway, we start out with chapter seven and we've skipped a bit of time since the last one because... Salazar and Helga have been together for quite some time now, and he's just starting to get gray hair and things like that. Yeah, and they've had the school open for <laughs> a while. Megan apparently knit them a blanket to apologize <laughs> for being scared of him. Yeah, it incorporates signs and symbols for protection. And like Salazar doesn't think that he's going to need protection from sea serpents, but, you know, it's nice to have just in case. <laughs> it's the thought that counts. Yeah. Sometimes, you know what, you never know. Mm -hmm. Nessie might Protection. come and visit. Yeah. Who knows? I wonder if they have... Oh, the sea serpent. Is that Nessie, the, the Loch Ness no. Monster. No, I'm thinking the the squid. The giant squid. Oh, the giant squid. He's, not a, he's a squid, though. Uh, a sea monster? We don't know what a sea monster would look like. It could look like sea a serpent. Giant. Sea serpent. Mm -hmm. <sighs> Salazar probably couldn't talk to the squid, but it doesn't sound like there is a squid yet. Mm -mm. As far as we know, at least the squid is never mentioned anyway. That's true. But, and they're kind of having some alone time, and they're all snuggled up. And he says, I think I would like to hatch a basilisk. And mm -hmm. she's not paying any attention to him, and she says something totally off the subject and then went, um, what? A basilisk? What? <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, she says, Herpo is not the Greek parsimoth I thought you were paying attention to. Which Herpo was the first one to hatch a basilisk, according to the famous wizard cards and things. Oh, okay. Yeah. It was actually Asclepius, who I mentioned last week as possibly being this medical Greek parcel mouth. Apparently that's who they were thinking of, so yay me. Yay you. <laughs> yay you. Oh, good Scott. He gets a he gets a gold star. <laughs> Which is better than a basilisk, so there you go. <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. 
And so the rune spore, is that a type of snake as well? Yes, yes. that's in Fantastic Beasts. Okay. It's a, it's a three-headed have... snake. Uh-huh. If memory serves, one sees reason, one sees, like, they three heads combine as one. Like, mm-hmm. they think of as one being, but they have different uses. Okay. Three's okay. always a magical number. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. I don't actually have the Fantastic Beasts and I British have it in Ages, so. I do. It's I've read them five. once. Mine's missing, so yeah. I could look that up. But apparently, his reasoning for starting this out, besides the fact that it would be a neat experiment and he likes magical snakes generally, is he wants another layer of protection around him on full moons. Mm-hmm. And they still don't get it. I mean, they've obviously been together for years at this point, and he still is terrified that he's going to get loose and hurt somebody. And the other three, they just don't get it. They still don't understand how terrified he is about this. So when he says, this is what I want, she's like, but you already have Godric, and he already has the sword, and there's no way you can get out of the stone anyhow. Why? And he's just adamant, I have to have more protection. Which still reminds me of Remus. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that he could do. Even if he hatched six basilisks, he still wouldn't feel really safe, I don't think. No. It's a phobia for him. His worst fear, basically, is him getting out somehow and hurting somebody, and especially one of them. Right. But he also kind of likes the experiment, and he figures he'll introduce the basilisk Sarah, who is the Gryffindor Parsimoth that mm-hmm. we met in the last chapters. And she is sort of going to become a parcel mouth healer. Mm-hmm. So she's more often taught by Helga than by him, but they have a fairly close relationship, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. if she's the only other parcel mouth around, I could see that. Mm-hmm. And Helga's the one who sort of thinks of the possibility that it might be good for him to have another animal there. Mm-hmm. He hadn't even thought of that aspect of it, and he can't really bring himself to hope in case it's not true. But Right. It seems like really he has more troubles with how do you say it? With the transformation. With the transfer, um, not just transformation because of smelling all the people, mm-hmm. and with an animal. I mean, even we know with the marauders, it was ideal. He didn't seem like he would attack like with the marauders because they changed into animals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, there's also the fact that you know both with basilisk and with you know stag, they're both bigger than a werewolf. And that does count for something. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, she isn't bigger than the werewolf to start with because she's a baby basilisk, but she's going to get huge. So, Eventually. You know. <laughs> and she apparently grows really fast. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's another point that makes it seem like there's been more time is apparently the transformations got even worse once they started gathering more students for the school Mm -hmm. just because somehow the werewolf knows there's lots of humans around and it gets more frantic. There's fresh meat about. Yeah. And he thinks I've found another parcel mouth. So it's not outside the realm of possibilities that there could be someone that could work with the stone. And so someone could inadvertently let me out. And they said, well, we'll just tell them not to. He said, if you tell somebody not to be somewhere or to go somewhere or to do something, then they're more apt to go and do those things because they've been forbidden. Seems like kind of... Remind you of anybody? Not even that. Like, it reminds me of Order of the Phoenix when um, the article from the Quibbler got 
uh, passed out and Umbridge is like, yeah, you're not allowed to read the article. And then uh, the narration made the comment of, yeah, if, if there was anything Umbridge could have done to make everyone in the entire school read that article, it was that. Right. Forbid them mm-hmm. to do it because they're all going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So she says, okay, just be careful. And they kind of have a little bit of a more of a talk. And then it jumps to Godric flopping down in his comfy chair in the staff room, groaning. Fourteen explosions. Fourteen. You thought of Neville. Yeah, I know. Point time. (laughs) It's Neville. (laughs) Either the students are getting worse or I am. Or they're doing it on purpose. And yeah, I'm sure there's a few that are doing it on purpose. Mm-hmm. And Salazar is having trouble because he can't get the toad to sit still. Nope. And Godric has no idea what he's talking about. But <laughs> he's trying to get a toad to sit on a chicken's egg because apparently that's how you get the basilisk. Right. I, I really like that. This confused me a little bit. Okay, go ahead. Um, How he got to get him to sit on the toad. I mean, you know, whoops, <laughs> not to get the toad to sit on the egg. I was just really confused. That's all. Mm-hmm. I, I, just, I just, I couldn't picture it. Has some sort of affinity with earth generally, as well as stone. And toads are an earthy type of creature, so he manages to use his stone magic to communicate with it a little bit, and it doesn't quite work. So then what he does is he gets a toadstool and puts it underneath the egg. And so the toad thinks it's sitting on a toadstool or something. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit odd because I also don't think real toads sit on toadstools all the time. But it's sort of a magical affinity thing, I think. So. He has magic powers. It's true. He does. And I think that it's not like Salazar who can speak to the snakes. It's more of a suggestion kind of a thing that he puts in there. When he puts his hand over him. But I like that. Well, first of all, that, you know, Salazar is like waving this book around that Godric can't read because it's in a language he doesn't get. And he has I don't no read Greek. Clue what's going on. But then I liked the explanation on how the first person hatched a basilisk. Mm-hmm. That was a good question. Like, how would you even think of getting a toad to sit on a chicken egg for a month or mm. two weeks or whatever it is. Right. <laughs> Why would that come to mind? And apparently the egg was his breakfast, which he accidentally left in the cabinet with the experiment things, and the toad was just in there and sat on it. And uh, For a month? <laughs> I don't think it takes very long, although I could be wrong. And yeah, and luckily he figured out the toad was dead before he actually looked at the snake. Whoever was the first person to yeah, this the, the Greek dude that I it was, it was just kind of funny. He's like he just forgot. <laughs> yeah, a lot of inventions happen like that. They're completely accidents. Yeah. Look, mm-hmm. look at um, penicillin. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. And Godric is also not offended, but kind of you know, I'm there. I'm not going to let you through the stone. I've got the bloody sword. Why are you worrying about this so much? And Salazar's just like, I want an extra safeguard. I just want the safeguard. And they, and like I said earlier, they still don't understand why this is such a big deal for him. Because they've been doing this, like I said, for probably years, every month. So, you know, it happens fairly often. And it, nothing's ever happened yet. But he still has this nagging feeling that something's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And he says that he'd be calmer generally 
fighting with a serpent than with Godric because werewolves wouldn't drive it as nuts and mm-hmm. because Salazar himself has an affinity for serpents. So. Right. And I liked Godric. Um, I'm going to be able to get past it, right? Oh yeah, no problem. And I don't have to look at it and it's not going to look at me. <laughs> no, I'll train it. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah. And they bring up the fact that basilisks, unlike other snakes, have eyelids. So right. he doesn't have to learn how to walk through the chamber in a blindfold or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I think you said, what, I have, I'm going to have to make it smooth, make everything smooth. Right. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't sit there and bump into stuff. It's like, it'll take a couple days, perhaps. Yeah. And uh, he offers to switch to geese instead of roosters so that they don't accidentally kill the basilisk. But mm-hmm. Salazar waves him off and figures the basilisk won't be out that far anyway. So, right. Hence, they're still being roosters in the books that uh, Jenny has to kill. Yes. They talk a little bit about the fact that Megan knows that he's a werewolf and that Sarah probably knows, although she's not said anything. And he finds out at this point that Sarah was the one that talked about men having moon cycles. Um, mm-hmm. which is what which is clued Megan in. Sort of tipped Megan off, yeah. Yeah. And apparently she's not really uneasy around him anymore because he's a werewolf. It's because he's from that particular group of wizards that were around her home in Chester. Right. Because apparently they're sort of insular and scary, generally. They sound like a real winning group of people, you know. What It says that they're close-knit, unless you're in my text reader, and then it's a different word, but I think that's what they said. <laughs> It seems like it's the incest is already starting. <laughs> you know, you're given to believe that they're very clannish, that they don't socialize with anyone, that they pretty much think of muggles as beneath them and mm-hmm. don't pay any attention to them. But they also don't want anybody sharing their secrets or... That there, to me, it sounds very Jane Austen-like. The higher class and lords and ladies and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, they're obviously not very friendly people. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, this is supposed to be like uh, more than a thousand years before 1991. So, like, that was not a generation after the witch trials got really, really big. So, I mean, I wouldn't really be that trusting of muggles either. I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But they don't feed anyone to dragons, apparently. No. Yeah, it gives the dragons indigestion. So <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Yeah. So we said before that Godric goes down and convinces the toad to stay in. Yes, because it's gone again. Yeah. Salazar has to summon it from a corner somewhere. It's like Trevor, just runs off. Yeah, they seem to be like that. Yeah, it, it just reminded me a lot of a very novelish kind of thing. And, and I loved how he does, like, the Asio and it goes, we have to practice that a little bit more because the toadstool try to go through the stone wall instead. <laughs> and I could just see it do this, and trying to keep going through it, and it goes, all the way down. Mm-hmm. By the time it gets to him, it's pulp. Mm, let's oh, try dear. again. Mm-hmm. So he's going to train the baby basilisks uh, for a few days, so they might have to arrange some substitutes. And Godric says they'll be sure to send food down before they come themselves, just to you know be bribe safe. the snake. Bribery is always good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just cute. So then we move to chapter eight, and poor Helka's having an earthquake. Yes, there's, there's an earthquake. 
shaking her bed, so she tries to curl up against her husband, and... He's nothing there. He's gone. He's the earthquake. He is the earthquake. He's left out of bed because the egg is hatching, and he has to go. Yes. And Helga wakes up and goes, do you need anything? And he grins and says, baby formula? And she's like, okay, uh, what do baby basilisks eat? Mm-hmm. I, my text reader did not uh, translate what's the matter very easily. No, I bet not. Mine didn't translate substitutions for me. <laughs> I think it spelled it out for me. <laughs> yeah, it spelled a couple of these words out just because it doesn't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Oh, text readers are fun. They yes. are. We're way off course. So, so he runs down. The poor toads fear for its life, so he banishes it. I love it <laughs> gently to a safe corner as a tiny opening appears in the eggs, and he shuts his eyes. And the basilisk is feeling confined and hungry. She seems to be hungry a lot, and she's trying to get out. And she's pushing and pushing and pushing, and mm-hmm. she hears this comforting hissing sound, and so she decides it must be mother. Mm-hmm. When she gets up, she looks to see what mother looks like, and she's like, okay. I'm going to look like that. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Looks a little weird. She, she couldn't quite see how she'd get from where she was to that, but you never know. And, yeah. But Salazar feeds her and tells her to make sure not to touch him with her fangs, which apparently basilisks have a certain amount of vocabulary already. There are yeah. words that they know mm-hmm. just from the egg. So. It must be from the toad sitting on it. It just, like, it's like, meta- not metamorphosis. What's, what's, what's that word? Osmosis? Yes, it's osmosis. Where does it the toad be- learn it? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe, maybe Salazar came down and talked to the egg and said possible. I never see that. I think no. that, that did happen. No, please no. That doesn't work in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see a fan artist do that. I view Salazar Slytherin as like a less grumpy Snape. And it just, it doesn't work. It doesn't in work. My head. <laughs> mm-hmm. But he also tells her to close her eyes because he's had his closed mm-hmm. for this point, but he's explaining that those are also weapons. So. Okay. She's confused. Why? She's eating with her mouth, not her eyes. She needs to open her mouth. Mm-hmm. And so he explains that he can kill her, or that she can kill him, and she needs to keep him closed. And she thinks on that for a minute. Mm-hmm. And he gets Apparently, she has thermal vision with her sense of smell from her <laughs> tongue and things like that. So. Yeah. And she thinks it's really weird later on that he can't smell as many things that uh, as she can. But. We interrupt this podcast for the following weather report. It seemed important at the time. Enjoy. Hello, Kelly. Hello. Hi. Greetings. I apologize. It's all right. I fell asleep. It was 115,000 degrees today, and wow. I don't have air conditioning in my car, and I got home and turned the air on and lay down in front of it and was out. <laughs> yeah, well, it's totally tough rest. to take a nap. Yeah. Well, it was nine o'clock and it's eighty-two degrees. I'm sitting here and freezing. 
82 oh, it was really nice. <laughs> it was really, really warm today. Yeah. Yeah, it was 90 Holy. today. It wow. was 94 here. I'm in a and coat button. and I just added the a second one. What's <laughs> going on with the weather? But I don't have, but I don't have air in my car. Right. Oh. And so the dog is, you know, panting with her tongue halfway down to the ground. And, and is she like with the heater, with the air conditioning? Did she like lay in no. front of it and soak it all up? She didn't lay in front of it. Oh, that's good. But she did conk out right next to me on the bed. <laughs> Yes, it's, it's been sort of in between in here today. We could use mm-hmm. Well, this is the first, here. yeah, the first couple of days of summer are usually the worst for heat. And I was in the car. You know, when the back of your hand sweat, you know that you're hot. Yeah. It's not supposed mm-hmm. to get this hot till August here. And it's 90 degrees. Nah. Yeah. We were probably in the high 60s, low 70s somewhere. I don't know. I'm not That's sure exactly. I, I never I checked today. It was cloudy yet. Canada <laughs> to Saskatoon because I love 60 to 70 degrees best yeah, feeling in the world deal, then you have to deal with the snow I'm used to negative 30 degrees with wind chill I'm okay You much colder than that doesn't matter I have a friend mm-hmm. that lives somewhere in California I don't know where but she was getting snow again just yesterday mm-hmm. she oh keeps, that's unfair getting snow. it's amazing I love snow She's tired of snow. It's not supposed to be snowing oh where she is. <laughs> no. So, well, um, we just started chapter eight, Kelly. Chapter what? Eight. Eight. Of eight. Moon and stone. <laughs> Wait a minute. I was gonna say, chapter eight. Yes. <sighs> oh, my days are off. Um, I'm not anywhere near caught up to you. Yeah, we did one through six last week, and then seven through. Yeah, oh, I was while I was in the car. I listened up to chapter five. Aww, <laughs> well, that's a start. And I thought, wow, this is great. I can. And you're on the next date. <laughs> yeah, hang out and listen to us blather, or you can go back to sleep. Go back to sleep. <laughs> oh gosh, in front of the air conditioning. I feel bad. Goodness gracious, I'm getting walked on. Do you mind? Yes. I have pasta. Good. I have pasta, pasta and she is all in my face, like, oh, pasta. Mm-hmm. We, had we went down and saw my today. dad. Oh, yeah? And I took the dog. They have a pug. It was pug just an odd moment there. Who is extremely overweight. Yeah, that sounds like a pug. And uh, a chihuahua. So she was in between the pug and the chihuahua. <laughs> you keep cutting right. out. She you was between a bug and a something. She's between the, the pug and the chihuahua. And the, the pug chihuahua. and the chihuahua was chasing the chihuahua everywhere and was being chased everywhere by the bug. <laughs> oh, well, it's no wonder she's tired and ready for sleep. <laughs> Sounds like the pug needed exercise anyway. So. Yes, Winston needs exercise. Winston Churchill? Yeah, uh-huh. he, no, he kind of looks like Winston Churchill. It's kind of scary. <laughs> yes. You name your animals and stuff like that, and they kind of become what they our name. Mm-hmm. That's why you should never name your dog like Lutz or Chase or <laughs> Killer. It's very bad. Kill- killer. Bubba. <laughs> he becomes a couch potato. The person I adopted uh, my cat from named her Pouncer, and she chases her tail. Like she'll pounce on her tail all the time. It's like you're ridiculous. <laughs> and mine's a big old um press. I wonder why. Does yours like to play hockey? 
she does like to play hockey too. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, she'll she'll play goalie with me. Like I'll throw things at her and she stop it and like she does her little licking thing and she's like all prissy. I'm like, yeah, you are a flower, aren't you? <laughs> we now return you to your regularly scheduled podcast. Do you have any comments on the first five chapters? It's been interesting. You don't get any sense of what the time period is very well. There was one word that actually kind of threw me out, the word antsy, where Salazar mm-hmm. at some point said that he was just antsy. And I, that kind of doesn't sound like a word that was used around when this was set. Yeah. That makes sense. But uh, you really don't have an impression that this is around 1200 AD because a lot of what you see them doing is very much what wizards and witches do now. Right. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I got up to the point where they were welcoming the students to school. It's a good story. I like it. Yeah. It's been kind of fun. Tell you that I didn't see the Salazar-Helga pairing coming. I was like, wow, really? <laughs> well, let's get married. Okay. Yeah. Da-da-da. <laughs> yes. There is a lot of time skipped in these, though. They jump months or years at a time, well, yeah, so their, their relationship is sort of sped oh, up that yeah. way. Yeah. But, um, but um, because it would be the author like- does mention, I don't know who's responding to reviews and things, but some of the places in these later chapters, they have review responses at the bottom if you're on right. Sugar Quill. And it mentions it was sped up because of the time skips, but it was also fairly fairly abrupt anyway. It was a quick relationship to start with, and then you lose any of the buildup that there was because of the skipping time. Mm-hmm. Tricia, you mentioned Florence Nightingale syndrome last mm-hmm. week. It's kind of like that, because I mean... She's the one Salazar spends the most time with. Rowena and Godric are already together, and he's not leaving, so what else are they yes. going to do? <laughs> I can stay, I can stay, I can stay, yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and Yeah, and like Scott said, she spends the most time with him. And he was attracted to her kind of at the very beginning, I think. And in the first chapter, she says how nice he is and... You can mm-hmm. tell that she's attracted mm-hmm. to him as well until he says yes. he's married and then she backs off. But they've been kind of eyeing each other and flirting with each other since the beginning. It's just not stated. Yeah. yeah. Although the very first thing he does is loathe her on sight because she's too cheerful. But, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, then he that. thinks that she's just putting him back together to take him up to the crowds to, you know, torture him. So, yeah. Not the best of its situations for romance, that. <laughs> they figure it out eventually. Simply okay. Simply because it's not a full moon. <laughs> well, he's in love again, actually, Kelly. He is again in chapter eight. Okay. Yes. It was very interesting to see why he didn't think that they should be training anybody but pure bloods. And it wasn't a prejudice. Mm-mm. It was a fear. Right. And I thought that mm-hmm. was very interesting that now it's a prejudice. Right. It has been warped to that. Legends so, have a basis in fact, but it doesn't tell you what the facts are. Right. Necessarily. And in his case, it was 
a fear. It wasn't that he thought that muggle-born wizards were any less a wizard, but, you know, it was a, we're waiting for the pitchfork-waving, torch-bearing mob to come, you know, attack everybody. And that was due to his experience as a werewolf. Mm-hmm. So that was interesting. And he brings that up again. I think it's chapter 10 or so when he's talking to Megan about things. That's about all I have. Because <laughs> I'm so far behind y'all. Well, <laughs> ladies and gents, I will let you chat on. You know, and I think I know what the problem was, Sue, when I looked at your list. I didn't have it crossed out. Last week says it crossed out. Yeah. We talked I about that like earlier because Scott said, you're so on the ball. And I said, if I was on the ball, last week's would be crossed out. See, it's, it's all my fault. <laughs> oh, well, if you finish reading them all by the time we're wrapping up, you can come back in and do final thoughts or whatever. But I don't know yeah. Maybe how I'll long we'll take. I'll be interested this is to know Kelly you, from the past. <laughs> what you think of it. <laughs> You asked me about it yesterday, and I thought, oh, she must read the first part of it. <laughs> like, oh, nope. No. Nope. Nope. Oh. That's okay, because she had to remind me to read them on Saturday, so I just read all the chapters for this week today. Okay, kids, have fun. See you later. And I will talk to you all later. All right. Bye. Bye. So he's feeding the basilisk. See me jumping right in? Am I good? Uh-huh. He's feeding the basilisk this meat and milk mixture that Helga has sent up, and she thinks it's really good. And she really likes the fact that she didn't have to kill it, and it's not been alive enough to wriggle. Because you know, your first meal wriggling just that just doesn't sound very good. Mm-hmm. I don't want any meal of mine ever to wriggle. Oh, well, good. Then we know you're not a V. <laughs> Jello wiggles. Now we can eat Jello gelatin with our bare hands. Introducing Jigglers, a fun way to make and eat Jello gelatin. There you go. I don't like Jello. <laughs> <laughs> Two years ago, I had jaw surgery and I was on a liquid diet for a month. I don't like Jello anymore. <laughs> no, mm-hmm. I can understand that. Yes, and Salazar knows that she's a she because she doesn't have the red crest, rooster crest. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. a male would have. And she eats it all gone and then licks the bowl clean and checks him out. And she realizes that he's warm. Mm-hmm. And she likes that a lot. She tries to climb up his arm and she can't quite do it. So he gives her a little boost. And he tells mm-hmm. her that the, his friends made the food especially for her because they were excited about her being born. And they can't wait to see you. And she's like, friends? That's a funny word. And then she says, nah, I just like you because you're warm. Yeah, she's distracted by him being warm. Then she's like, what's this? Will I get this too? Yeah, when she's Uh young. That's when he He says, no, actually, I'm not. (laughs) Actually, I'm not mother. Maybe you could call me father, but not really, because, but I helped you hatch. And, um. You know what? It kind of, I don't, well, Sue, you might know this one. The storybook goes, are you my mother? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Are you my mama? That's what it reminded me of. I thought of that too. It's one of my favorite storybooks. <laughs> With the the snort. Then he came to a hen. Are you my mother? He said to the hen. No, said the hen. The birds saw a big thing. 
This must be his mother. There she is, he said. There is my mother. He ran right up to it. Mother, mother, here I am, mother, he said to the big thing. But the big thing just said, snort. Oh, you are not my mother, said the baby bird. You are a snort. Deposits him in the nest and then his mother shows up. And he says, hmm. you must be my mama. And she said, how do you know? And he says, well, you're not a dog or a cow or a cat or a snort. So you must be a bird. Uh-huh. It's quite cute. Interesting logic there, but at least it worked. We're way off course. I do have a complaint, and this isn't just about this fanfic. It seems like every single fanfic has a snake named with an S. <laughs> and it's so annoying because it's just like they have to be named with an S. Like, I get that it's partial tongue. I understand that. You don't always have to do it. Mm-hmm. I would love I think it to be Sandy. I would <laughs> love to have a fanfic. Where the snake is named Bob mm-hmm. or something. I, well, there's I mean, tale of a there's tale of a time long gone. There, his snake is named Maureen. Mm-hmm. That's true. No S's in it at all. But Charissa. Yes, her name is Charissa. And he decides she can call him father, and explains that he's a human and parcel mouth, which means that's how he can talk to her. And she says, "Hmm." Explains why you're so weird. Nice though. You're warm. He smells different, I guess. But she's hungry again, so he sends the bowl away and hopes Helga will come across it and fill it up again because he doesn't want to leave. Right. And she says, can I look around now? And he says no. And he explains how important it is that she cannot open her eyes when there's any other creature in the room unless she's hunting because it could hurt him or his friends or kill somebody. And she says, I don't want to hurt you, but not ever and he continues to explain and i like it when he says i really want to see you but i want you alive more so i won't look at you so she Mm -hmm. learns very very quickly i like the characterization of the snake it's very simple and not too many human emotions and they're very simple kind of logic Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and what first makes her want to look around is she can smell the toad who's off in the other corner and this is where He explains that humans can't see people being warm. They don't have the thermal vision and they can't smell the various different things. And she thinks this is shocking that he can't smell anything. He says, well, we can smell some, just not as much. (laughs) Yeah, she pities him. But then he says, Mm. look what I can do. And he summons the bowl and the food and she thinks that's pretty cool. Yep. We can just let it come to us? How fun is that? (laughs) (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Very strange, squishy stuff, but she likes it. Mm-hmm. And so he decides he can't wait any longer. He's going to go find Godric and Helga and Rowena and let them meet the snake because she is so smart and so pretty. And, oh, he's just a proud papa. Mm-hmm. Insert old eyes here. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but he's very much besotted and uh, keeps making odd expressions at her and things. Anyway... He tries to make sure she remembers to keep her eyes closed. And she says, of course, I remember memories shed slower than skins, which is an interesting metaphor. Mm-hmm. I like this sentence. Even if Godric hadn't already been told by Helga about the hatching, meeting his friend carrying a toad down the hall would have tipped him off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes, it works. She's beautiful, Godric. Just beautiful and so smart. Talking right out of the egg, is she? Talking, understanding, asking questions. You have to come meet her. Where are the ladies? 
this is too cute. It's just like, yeah. You could just see him. If he had cigars, he'd be just putting it in everybody's mouth. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I think he's probably bouncing. <laughs> yes. Salazar does, does not see Salazar. So, I know. It's, I mean, I'm just, yeah. Helga will bounce. Yeah. I think she's it, rubbed it, off. It he's bouncing. really rubbed me the wrong way. <laughs> it, I, I couldn't see it. I'm sorry. In I, most I cases, no, but this particular Salazar, I think I could. I, I mean, this is just one example of many. Of, I don't see the shrewd, you know, he has this reputation of being shrewd and cunning and, you know, all these qualities that make up Southern, and I see none of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I mean, I like him as a character. I just don't see where he's supposed to, like, end up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think most of the times where he would be exhibiting those traits like when he's teaching in the classroom or when he's figuring out how to make the basilisk in the first place and all those sort of things we don't see as much of that because they don't give them during their daily life very often we just see the parts that are about this legend being different Uh, but i mean this is why i don't like founder fix because they have you know 10 plot points and they want to create this nice little story in the Founders era, but they leave out certain things that need to be there to be like, these were the Founders, these were, you know, this is where they're headed. You can tell from, you know, all these qualities that this is how they're known. And you can add the extra in there, but there's a basis that you have to start in. And it's the same in Canon. It's the same in Marauders Fix. You wouldn't see a Marauders fic where James Potter is super polite to everybody and not, you know, making fun of everyone because that's not, you know, we know from canon that's not who he was. And mm-hmm. it throws you out of the story when you come across. And, and again, I like the character. It's a good story. It just, it frustrates me. And this is the reason why I don't read Founders fanfic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Except for podcasts when we make you. Yeah. Well, oh, I was you were tricked. Of, I was tricked. I thought this was Marauders, and I was so excited. <laughs> I'm sorry. We'll have to find you a Marauders fic to do. Yes, <laughs> I would like that. But yes, I do like the little details they stick in about stuff that they would be doing around the castle that you don't see in canon. Like this one, they've transplanted a tree. They've been experimenting again, and they used Tarantalegra on the tree's roots. And so they've moved the tree, and now they have to calm it down again because right. it's been dancing around on its roots. When I first read it, I thought of Mike. Uh, I thought of the Wampy Willow. Mm, I thought too. of the Wampy Willow, too. Well, the Wampy, Wampy Willow, Willow isn't there yet. But... Yeah, it wasn't there until right before Remus came. Right, mm-hmm. but it could have been. Yeah. But that was my first thought. Experimental yeah. something. I, so I was thinking Mike. <laughs> <laughs> That's understandable. I don't know where Mike comes from. It comes from Sue. Yes. <laughs> well, the original Mike and Ken. No. All we know is that Sprout slaps the Venomous Tentacula one at one point. Mm-hmm. It's in Greenhouse 3. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I write yes. several songs about him. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> they decide that they have to gather the rest of them because... Helga will kill him if he takes Godric down to see her first, and Rowena would feel left out. And uh, Rowena would kill them both. 
Yep. So they send a message charm, apparently. Oh, well, Godric just uh, plays with the ground again. Mm-hmm. And then uh, a regular message charm comes back. It's a cool trait. <laughs> he describes to Helga what Stressa thought of her breakfast. And he's very excited and um, is tugging her down the hallway. Yes. And she's happy that she liked her breakfast. Mm-hmm. And because he calls the snake beautiful, she's going, hmm, put some of your compliments to me in a different light. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> it's cute. He's like, you're beautiful too. Yeah, yeah. Just different <laughs> beautiful. Mm-hmm. So they get to the chamber and Sharessa still has her eyes closed because she remembered they've come in and meet her. And Helga has gotten a little bit more comfortable with being around serpents because, you know, She's been around Salazar for years now and asks if she can touch her. And so she pets the basilisk and Sharessa really likes that. Mm-hmm. It's how I think a cat is thinks when you pet them. That feels nice. Mm-hmm. Who is she? I like her. Oh, don't stop. <laughs> <laughs> and Salazar says this is his wife. And she says, does that make her mother? <laughs> Asked, ask Helga if she minds. <laughs> Like, uh, not exactly something I'd ever thought of, but hmm. She doesn't bat an eye, does she? He says, well, I'm not going to introduce her to the toad of the chickens, so, you know. Yeah, it works. Godric then uh, scratches her eye ridges, and she almost falls over from that, because that's apparently really good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Godric has the magic touch. It's partly, well, she's apparently a friendly type anyway, but she's also has been eating and is already growing, and so the skin is getting tight and itching. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's growing really fast. Mm-hmm. Ooh, look at that. I got three snorts out of that. That was pretty good. I'm holding my nose. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine now. Okay. Apparently, Shiresha is jealous. He talks about her shedding her skin, and she says, oh, you know everything. And he says, well, I've known a few serpents. And she's like, others like me. And he says, no, none quite like you. And she's like, good. <laughs> He's cute. He's very cute. And then she decides she's tired, so she's going to go to sleep, and they decide they're going to leave her alone, and He's just beaming. Isn't she beautiful? And they're all Mm. kind of amused by him. Yes. So we start off chapter nine, and she's growing really quickly, apparently. And Salazar's decided to save the skins. Um, I don't know if it does actually give her a size or not. No, I don't think it does. I don't think so. Just that she's big. He's worrying a little bit about how fast she's growing. He's keeping all the skins, because who knows, they might be useful. And... Then he realizes it's almost the full moon, and he hasn't mentioned anything about that, which hmm, <laughs> is a little short-sighted of him, but mm-hmm. there you go. And he tells her that she's going to have company because Godric will be spending part of the night down there, and she wants to know why, and he says as protection because there's going to be a beast in the chamber. And she says, well, what kind of beast? And he explains that it's a werewolf, and she knows wolf, but she doesn't know werewolf. Wolf is one of her... Uh, Vocabulary words. Mm-hmm. I, I wonder if he gives her flashcards. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want fan, fan art of that. 
<laughs> Flashcards for basilisks. <sighs> I think it's what supposed it? to be you just because it. she's a magical creature and she has a certain lexicon to start with or something like that. But I don't know. Lexicon. That's a good Things card. that snakes would need to know about already. It's well, I already, think like embedded in them or something. Yeah, a lot of animals are born that way. Like our chicks, you know, the chicks hatch and they're basically the chicks come out of the egg. They dry out. Somebody grabs them, looks at their pin feathers to decide if they're male or female, drops them in a box, and mails them to you. They've never seen an adult chicken in their lives, but they already know how to scratch for their food. And I mean, all of that's just kind of ingrained in them. And I think the snakes would be the same way, especially snakes, because most snakes, the parents don't stick around. You know, mm-hmm. they lay eggs and then I think they leave them. I'm not 100% positive about that. There are some snakes that actually hatch the eggs within their bodies and have live births. But for the most part, snakes are not nurturing and they don't stick around. So they have to be born with a certain knowledge of certain things. They have to know what's prey, what's not prey, how to protect themselves. So I think that's kind of where this is. She she has a certain knowledge that she was born with, and he's, of course, adding to it. But there are certain things that, that she knows instinctually. I still want that fan art. There you go. Anyway. But yes, he explains what a werewolf is and that he doesn't want her to kill it unless she really has to because the rest of the time it's human and she wants to keep it alive. And she's wondering if this human is a friend of his. And first he says it doesn't matter if they're a friend. They don't deserve to be killed just because they're werewolves. And she knows about humans not being food already because he's told her about that. But she can smell some of his emotions on him and figures out it's either a close friend or it's him. Right. And he has to admit that, yeah, this is, he is the werewolf. And he would kill his friends if he had the chance. And he's upset and he starts pacing and she kind of slithers off of him and she kind of gets mad and, and wraps around his feet so it'll trip him if he keeps moving. And she says, you dropped me. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Then she kind of slithers up him and says, I would be upset too if I thought I would suddenly want to hurt you. And she agrees to stop him without killing him. And if she has to, she'll bite him, but only inject just a little bit of venom, just enough to stop him. She's getting mm-hmm. big as she can wrap around his legs already. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Probably about two or three feet. Probably. Oh. And I, she, you know, she says, well, take me in with you. And he said, no, I'm not, you know. I could hurt you. I don't want to hurt you. And she said, oh, I'm pretty tough. <laughs> you know. <laughs> she comes up with the idea that maybe he should take her skin in with him and just see if he tears it up. Because he knows that anything that's in the chamber with him, he will destroy. So if the snake skin comes out without being destroyed, then either it's too tough for him to hurt or he doesn't try to hurt it. And so yeah. we have another experiment ex- in the brewing here. Yes, because he explained to her that werewolves hate humans, and she notes that he didn't say they hate snakes. And He sort of thinks maybe it's because the werewolf has some vague idea that it used to be a human, so it's even more against them than anything else. Yeah. But yes, they have their experiment. He's going to take in her last skin that she shed, and we skip over the 
full moon itself. Come back mm-hmm. to a story when he's just transformed back again. Right. And he tries to get up when he hears Godric coming in. And usually he can't move at all. But this time he actually can kind of get up. He manages to get into a half kneeling state, which is a huge improvement from his usual. And mm-hmm. Godric is really surprised to find him the way he is. And he helps him up and takes him off to see Helga. And he says, you know, you seem a little better this time. And Sellers says, wow, I feel better. And he lets Charissa know that he's okay. And that, oh, and I love this part. And I, this is what I talked about last week when I said this was coming. But they go out of his chamber and he's like, oh, well, I thought I was better, but maybe I'm not because I've never hallucinated before. And Godric's like, hallucinating? What are you talking about? And he says, I see a giant head. And Godric's like, yeah, I've been passing the time by sculpting. (laughs) Yes, Godric's been playing. So all the pillars with snakes and the giant monkey face and everything are Godric being bored. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The statue of Slytherin is actually a monkey. (laughs) Which reminds me of something... (laughs) Mm-hmm. It reminds me of something that Fred and George would get up to, like, well, we were bored, so we made a giant monkey out of stone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. That I don't think does fit with canon, because given the description of Marvolo and Morfin Gaunt in uh, Half-Blood Prince, mm-hmm. probably Slytherin actually was supposed to look monkey-like, so it is a statue of Slytherin. Mm-hmm. But most founder fakes that I've seen want him to look a little better than that, so they have some other explanation for it. <laughs> His wife looked or else like a monkey. Yeah. Or else he only looked like a monkey when he was like 80 and before that it was better. <laughs> <laughs> when he was an old man. Mm-hmm. So they get him up to the medical room or probably to his room where Huggis starts working on him and she comments on how much better he looks too. And Godric explains that he was clutching the snakeskin. And she's like, oh, maybe it will help. I pray it will. Is it torn? And Godric looks at it and says, you know, the only place I can see that it's torn is where she tore it to get off, but I'm not sure. And he wakes up enough to say, let me look. And mm-hmm. they decide it, it isn't actually torn, so maybe she can go in the chamber with him. Mm-hmm. And she's there at this time. She's followed them upstairs at this point. Mm-hmm. I think she was wrapped around him or something. Or no, I guess not quite. She just followed them. And she's kind of getting in the way a little bit, and Salazar has to tell her to let Helga do everything that she's doing, and that she wants to know if maybe she can cast any healing spells and mm-hmm. help. There isn't really much she, else she can do other than being there, which she already did. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And she goes exploring around Salazar, and he realizes that her nose is slightly between his lips, but even though a werewolf nose that a basilisk isn't food mm-hmm. and realizes that she smells slightly odd. And they, you know, everybody's kind of thinking now, well, maybe she can go into the chamber with them and maybe it will make a difference because they've all felt really bad about how he looks when he comes out of the chamber. He's mm-hmm. concerned about getting out and hurting somebody and they're concerned about him hurting himself. Because apparently it's just been getting worse and worse as it goes on. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because even before, it was a little bit better because he at least had the woods to run around in. And now he's penned up in this room. Right. With the smell of humans. Mm-hmm. All around him. Yeah. Still, nobody thought of actually cleaning out the room and like 
trying to disinfect and the smell as much as possible. But maybe I don't know. Fortify wasn't invented yet. Yeah, or you know, maybe the stone is so seeped with Godric because of his powers and, and the powers go and through him that there's no way to do that. They talk about the stone being like a part of Godric almost. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just because he's so much love. If, yeah, and that they're not quite sure. I, th- I think though. this is in the next chapter, but it talks about Hogwarts being more aware of people than most stone is mm-hmm. and he's not mm-hmm. sure whether that's because he's worked with it so much or because it always has things echoing around inside of it so it notices that or whatever. I recognize magic because it has so much magic in it. Mm-hmm. 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 I mean, you gotta think they're probably doing spells of each other in the hallways and it's bouncing, all, bouncing into the stone too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's no so I think like the staircases are all mischievous and everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And they're wondering a little bit if, well, Godric thinks maybe he should have made it just a stone net so he couldn't move at all. But uh, Salazar has always said that the chamber was the best thing, so they've gone with that anyway. Mm-hmm. And, uh, mm-hmm. I do like Godric's lines. It's my job to argue with him now again. Maybe I've been neglecting it. Yeah, they keep each other kind of going. They're funny together. Mm-hmm. And. We have a little mm-hmm. bit of foreshadowing here that I didn't notice when I was first reading this. Helga said she's sorry, but she's just overly emotional. And there was something she'd have to discuss with Salazar mm-hmm. about that. Yeah, Godric offers I help. wondered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I completely you, missed that line. There you go. The <laughs> chapter title, it kind of makes you wonder, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. That's another thing is I've been reading on Snoogle, and they don't have any chapter titles. Uh-huh. On Sugar Quill, they do. That's true. But yes, Helga's upset because, for one thing, he's her husband and she loves him, but also she's a healer and she's used to fixing things and she can't fix him being a werewolf. There's only so much she can do. And there isn't anything like Wolfsbane Potion or any of those sorts of things at this point. Which I'm happy. I was worried. Is patch him up. Yeah, it would be. I uh, was worried that they were gonna make it like a happy, like we're gonna make it the the wolf spoon potion now, and somehow it would get lost through the ages. But I was happy that that was not this fix. Yeah. Yeah. So Gardrick finally leaves to go to get some sleep after they talk about him sculpting some more, and she looks at the bed and the great big snake in the bed, and she says, "You are gonna have to make room." And she crawls in and coils herself up. Well. The snake shifts her coils and Helga cuddles up against Salazar and closes her eyes. Mm. And uh, I like that the snake waits till they're both asleep. And then she very cautiously opens her eyes and looks at them. Mm-hmm. And apparently one of the things that she knows for no reason particularly is a lullaby. So she kisses a lullaby to them. <laughs> a snake lullaby, I would imagine. Yes. Yeah. I'd be a little creeped out by that. Probably make you want to go pee. Wake wake up and there's a giant snake hissing, do you? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Wouldn't that that make you go pee? The hissing sounds, yeah. Mm, Maybe. I'm not entirely sure where she goes because when Salazar wakes up, she's not there anymore. But I guess she's gone back to the chamber on her own or something. She probably went through the pipes. pipes. Yeah, she took the pipes back down. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they have Myrtle's bathroom yet. 
I haven't mentioned any bathrooms. I imagine they have something, but I hope so. Knows? But there's more. There's more than one entrance to the Chamber of Secrets, from what I understand of canon. It's just the only one accessible to people is through Myrtle's bathroom. Mm-hmm. And this, obviously, they have. It's accessible because that's how he's made it. He's made this as part of the castle. And before they had students, mm-hmm. they all went down and waited. And sometimes they still do. So there's yeah. an easier way so to get to it. It's just in a part of the castle that they don't use very much. Mm-hmm. I sort of imagine it connected to the caves kind of beneath the castle. Mm-hmm. Sort of like where the, the cavern with the lake is or things like that. But anyway, he wakes up and Helga's there. Um, he has a moment where he kisses in case the snake is still there before he opens his eyes, but uh, mm-hmm. it's just Helga. And she lets him know that he did seem to be a little bit better this last time, which he thought he was, but he would, couldn't be sure. And, and he uh, thought he was calmer. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to remember. He doesn't remember being transformed very well, but he doesn't think he ever attacked the snake skin that he can think of. So. Mm-hmm. And there, uh, he's got his soup. Helga gets a tray of soup for him and rearranges the pillows when she's still lying in bed with him at the time. And she starts to bring up something, but then decides to wait until he's finished eating his soup. And he wants to know what she's going on about, but she insists he eat the soup. So mm-hmm. he eats his soup. <laughs> yeah, you need your strength. Go ahead and eat. So he he eats and finally he's done. And he says, you sounded very serious before you said, never mind. So, you know, talk to me. And she says that she's pregnant and, mm-hmm. you know, we're to have a child. And he's like, oh, oh, my. And then is it well? And she says, you know, it's too soon to tell, but it seems to be healthy. And, and I know you weren't sure about this. And we only talked about it once, but I really want you to be happy. And he says, mm-hmm. well, you know, I don't know if this is something that can be passed on. And she says, well, at least I know he didn't transform last night in the womb. And he's like, oh, crud, could that happen? I never even thought of that. Yeah. I don't want this baby to eat you from the inside out. (laughs) There are movies about that, I'm pretty sure. I had read a fic that was, um, it was a Tonkin Remus, and it was the full moon. Since she was, uh, whatever the thing is. Metamorphosis. Yeah. Metamorphosis. And I'm more forgetful. She's able to transform her body because the kid, like, kind of, like, almost transformed and she got, like, really, really sick. It was a good fix, though. It's a really good fix, but. <laughs> Metamorphomagus. Yeah, Metamorphomagus. Depending on where you're from. It's, it's ma- mage as in magic is how I always figure those out. So it's Animagus and Metamorphomagus, you know. But I don't know. Something of that sort. You guys forgot the am anyway. Mm-hmm. But yes, he does want to have this child. He's just worried. And they are firm to each other that they love each other. And he says he can't guess whether it's a son or a daughter because even though there's supposed to be something with snakes and prophecy, he doesn't have the sight. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of thinking we needed to have the one from Barb's astrology pop up and tell him things. Or uh, yeah. if it turned out uh-huh. that Sharessa had the sight, that would have been... <laughs> but... No, they didn't go there. I would have stopped reading. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. But he points out that he doesn't have anything to pass on. Apparently, Slytherin wasn't his family name. He took that himself from the parcel tongue after he got kicked out. 
which kind of makes sense because it's another one of those ones that really like his great great grandparents just decided to be called Slytherin, even though none of them were Parzelmos. You know, mm-hmm. maybe they all were in fix where that happens, but yeah, like Remus Lupin asking to become a werewolf. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Was he asking to become a werewolf? Wait a minute. So, and he's worried whether he'll be a good father, and she has observed him being a great teacher and also cooing over his basilisk, so she's pretty sure he'll be a good father. Yeah, I think he will, too. She says that she likes touching him, and he says, I like it, too, and then they, you know, we're fortunate we found each other. <laughs> and our child is going to be fortunate. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they have I'm, I'm some conversations sure about how wonderful they both are, which neither of them agree with applying to themselves, but, you know. Mm-hmm. And then they stop talking. Yeah, well. Shift chapters. And uh, in a response to um, somebody else, the author apologizes for the attack of fluff in this chapter. But, you know. <laughs> it was good oh, fluff. You it in there fluff is not bad when it's matched with angst. You need to be little. You can't be always serious in your life. We're on chapter 10, Stone Walls for a Reason. And we've skipped another several months to another full moon, but this is, we know it's been a while because he talks about Sharessa having been in with him several times. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, this particular full moon, he's more agitated than usual, and he can't figure out why things seem to be even higher than they often are, and suddenly they realize I think Rowena finds out mm-hmm. there are Dementors surrounding the school and coming closer. Yeah. And so they've worked with kids before. They've had drills because they are kind of out in the middle of nowhere. And there has been, as we've talked, the witch burnings and stuff like that hasn't been that far in the past. And so they've taught the kids to come to one place so that they can protect them with the stone walls. So they sound the alarm. And the kids all meet in one area. And while Rowena and Helga go out to see what's happening, Salazar and Godric go down to make sure all the kids are there and to lock them in. This reminds me of, uh, I used to counselor at summer camp and at the end of like swim, free swim time, mm-hmm. we would check the buddy board to make sure that everyone was out of the water. And once someone forgot to switch their buddy tag, so, like, they had to sound the alarm, and, like, half the counselors went looking in the lake while the other half, like, counted the kids. Right. And it turns out that they had but, uh, which is a good ending to the story, but uh, it kind of reminded me of, like, okay, we're splitting up. One half is going to see about the danger, and the other half is going to protect the kids. Mm-hmm. And we find out that Rowena and Helga are better at the distance magic. So that's why they've gone off to take care of the castle defenses while the guys are down working with the kids. And they get there and they find out that, oh, I like this. Helga grabs his shoulder and kisses him hard and then gets ready to go on her way. And she looks at him and says, you'll be the thought for my Patronus, which made me think of previous podcasts and giggle just a little bit. That's better. I wonder what her Patronus is. We find out. It's a badger. Of course it's a badger. It's a badger. Of course, you wouldn't want to mess with a badger. So it's not like all that cute, really. No. And they're mean. They can be very mean. 
So, okay, this is off topic, but we had somebody come out yesterday and they, they were checking out the pond and he wanted some of our mosquito fish because they breed like rabbits and we have a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. So they were out trying to figure out how to catch them and they found parts of a mammal in the pond and it's black and white stripes. So we think that a skunk drowned and the fish ate it. God. <laughs> oh. That's yeah. awesome. You got, you got piranhas. Yeah. <laughs> They're mosquito eaters. They eat the mosquito larvae. They're great things. <laughs> we're way off course. But anyhow, we're back. Uh, Godric and Salazar get down to, I, I'm assuming it's like the Great Hall. I don't know if that actually mm-hmm. says where they're at to get the kids and the student leaders are to come and let everybody know that they're there and they find out that they're missing two. And at first they think they're missing two Ravenclaws, but they find out that one of the Ravenclaws was just lost in among the Gryffindors. So there's a Gryffindor and a Ravenclaw missing. And it's, is it Megan or is it Sarah? I can't remember. Um, it's- Sarah, who went after Bed- yeah. Bedward? I'm not sure how to say that. Neither do I. But anyhow, she's gone after him, and she shows up a few minutes later with him in tow. Mm-hmm. There was only the one missing Gryffindor to start with, because they thought there was a missing Ravenclaw, but it, he was, or he or she was in with the Gryffindors, and they right. fixed that out. There's right. a missing Gryffindor, and Sarah dashes off after him, so then there are two. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. But yes, Sarah gets Bedwer. I don't know how you would say that either. It's it's a Welsh name anyway. Bedwer, something like that. Back and oh, Godric closes the doors and everything's That's sealed good. in. Mm-hmm. And they go off to the battlements or wherever it is they're going. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I like the Salazar has this great idea. Do you think a basilisk gaze would work on Dementors? <laughs> I don't think they have eyes. Oh darn! It was a good thought, anyhow. You know. <laughs> mm-hmm. kind of, uh, I mean, some of the banter kind of, it, I, I think it just, I want it to be marauders in a Me way, too. like something like, it's, like that. And also, like, as Kelly said, it's not really well time period, in, I guess, if, that's, if that can be a word. Uh, it's not even, you know, if the dialogue were in plain English, just the way that it's phrased doesn't seem like it was written to take place a thousand years ago, which Automatically, as I'm listening to my text reader, it makes me think, oh, this is 1970s, Marauders era. Oh, wait, this isn't right. Yeah, but the thing is, you know what? I'm not a writer or anything like that. I think it would be difficult to try to write in that kind of era. Mm-hmm. Right up in it, it would. No, it's it's yeah. very difficult to write time. I'm I'm more I, talking about the description again, the, banter, the, the banter, the description. It just kind of reads like it's a modern day kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It would be hard to really work out how they would have talked because they'll be talking in Old English or whatever. But the closest we could get would be to try and set it like Shakespearean or yeah, the Shakespearean. BBC dramas like the Jane Austen thing or whatever. So they, I'm not so talking about dialogue. I, dialogue yeah. is a thing of its own because you can't you got to find the balance between will a reader understand it and are you being true to the, the period of time that... I know I, know, I, I know you weren't week, talking about that necessarily. But. It's kind of like how Helga and Rowena are like almost viewed at the same level as Salazar and Gryffindor, or Salazar and Godric. Mm-hmm. And that wouldn't happen at that, like, as much as I despise that fact. In history, it would not happen a thousand years ago, so it's weird to 
when you're not reading it and you're listening to it, it's weird to think this happened a thousand years ago. We're reading a about the founders and not the marauders when the banter is so quick. And I mean, most of us have written or have read, I can't talk tonight. I don't know why. Uh, most of us have read at least a few Marauder era fics, and the banter is quite similar to this. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, people get that from the twins, too, because they apply the twins' characters to the Marauders, really. That's true. But- and we did talk about this last week, and, and while it's true that at this time period, the women would probably not be seen as equal, they do appear to be kind of an exception. That's part of why I think that they started the school and they're kind of in the middle of nowhere and everything because it would have been frowned upon, quote, polite society, that the women are more equal, but that these are just really unique people who saw something sure. in each other. And, mm-hmm. and I get that. I'm just, I'm explaining why it makes me, like, I think of it as a Marauder era fix so much because it reads like one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, you get that because they are four best friends and we sort of have to make up their character because we really don't know anything about them except the stuff from the sorting songs, which mm-hmm. is very stylized. Mm-hmm. But I see your point there. You get a little bit more of the sort of social structure when Salazar is talking to Megan about her town and their life in around there because it's a little bit different than how they are in the castle. but. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I love those chapters because it just, those take me back. Those really remind me of this is a founder's fic. Yeah. At any rate, we have a giant army of Dementors, apparently, massing on the school. And they've circled around it and haven't found a way in. So now they're kind of coming to the front door, so to speak, through the gates or whatever, and trying to come that way. And Salazar... I think it's Salazar says, you know, is there any other way that you know of to drive off to mentors besides the Patronus? And Rowena says, no, if I did, I would have done it. But I've tried mm-hmm. wind and that sort of works, but it doesn't work very well. And Godric says, well, I can try sealing them up in stone, but I don't know how hard it's going to be. <laughs> and here we are. I just thought of this just now, actually. But last week I was talking about how, well, at least they don't all have powers over the elements and things, and it turns out that Rowena apparently controls weather, or knows a lot of spells for that at the least, because mm-hmm. she does a lot with wind and frost and things like that. Yeah. I guess that wasn't quite correct, but there you go. I guess they're all special people. Yes. And another thing I was going to bring up just a moment ago that has nothing to do with what we're reading right now, but apparently Hogwarts is Rowena's house. And Godric sort of moved in, and then he's been modifying it since. And then Helga came along, and then Salazar was last, and he's the one we started the story with. But uh, it's mm-hmm. Rowena's, I don't know if it's her family home and everyone else is dead, or we still don't really know how any of them came there, but it came up in one of the author's notes that the place originally belonged to Rowena. So oh, okay. Godric would have had to get her permission to be able to make all these modifications and things. Yeah, I don't think he had any trouble getting her permission. For no. No, doesn't seem so. <laughs> but yes, they have another idea on what to do with the Dementors. Maybe Godric can shut them up in stone and try and suffocate them or bring the stone together and crush them or something like that. And he says, we can try that, but I don't think I'd be able to cast a Patronus at the same time. 
So they say, well, okay, we need to do that soon while Salazar is still here to cast a patroness as well. And he gets all huffy. Huffy's <laughs> a good word. <laughs> <laughs> as if I'd abandon you in the middle of a battle. And they're like, uh, you're going to turn into a werewolf. You better abandon us. And he's just beside himself again. Yeah. I'm to be mm-hmm. shuffled off to hide like the children. And Helga just gapes at him. Hide? What do you think the alternative is? We pitch you down over the wall and see what happens if you bite a Dementor? <laughs> and he's like, but at least I'd be doing something. That would be good fan art, too. But... Yes. There we go. We have lots of <laughs> flying off the wall. Or fix, for that matter. You know. Do what you, happens what... when a werewolf bites a Dementor? Hmm. I don't know if werewolves See, even would. When I was reading, I was totally picturing the novel version of the Two Towers, uh, the Battle of Helm's Deep. So I'm just like, hmm, werewolf over the edge into a battle of orc. Hmm, that'd be interesting. <laughs> yeah, they're sort of going back and forth with each other, and Salazar is just mad, and Rowena finally goes, what are you two doing? We have an army of Dementors to fight, and you're arguing. And He's like, I'm not quarreling. I'm just not useless. And Rowena sort of has to mediate them both. And uh-huh. uh, Salazar is still grumpy as Helga's going off to uh, stand at the wall, and she tells him she loves him. Yeah. He sort of has nothing to say. Yeah, that <laughs> but, uh, stops him, and he closes his eyes, and he kind of wrestles himself back into control. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And he's like, okay, I'm ready. And they send their Patronum out. Um, his are serpents. Hers is a badger. Rowena's mm-hmm. apparently is an eagle or flock of birds of prey. And they drive them all kind of together. And Godric puts them in the stone, surrounds them, and smashes them. And he says, you know, that's really, really hard to touch them like that. It's bad enough from mm-hmm. a distance, but just... Touching him through the stone is just awful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he can only do it maybe once more. Mm-hmm. So they decide they're going to get as big a group as them as they can to do that. And they figured out something odd is going on because the Dementors wouldn't just be swarming around like this on their own. Mm-hmm. And, and Helga, Helga says it, it feels like there's something else up there. Yeah, she can sense something, and they're trying to figure out what it is that she would be able to sense, and they can't quite figure it out. And then they realize how dark it's getting, and she says, Salazar, you have to go. We'll hold them while you and Godric go in, and Salazar just snaps. I'm not going anywhere while you're under attack. And she's like, you have to. And Godric says, you're going to make this harder on us. What are you thinking? And he's not thinking, and he finally... Mm-hmm. Godric sort of grabs him and Salazar snaps at him and that kind of wakes him up mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. how irrational he's being. And he's like staring at him and, oh God, I almost bit him. So now he has to run to the chamber. Right. And Godric has changed a few things. And so he kind of gets lost and he's afraid that he's going to... Which is not any help. Yeah, it's no help at all. Oh, by the way, I changed where the path goes. Didn't think mm-hmm. to tell you before. We were a little busy, but at least the snake's in there waiting for him, and she gives him a little bit of comfort. Well, mm-hmm. and when Ralph, as he's getting even closer to the transformation, he tries to leap out of the chamber again, and she trips him. So 
going back a little bit, Godric's Patronus confused me a little bit. Because Patronus is a griffin. Right. But aren't Gryffindor, like, they have the symbol for each house, except for Gryffindor. Aren't they lions? Well. A lion and an eagle. Yeah, it's a cross mm-hmm. between a lion and an eagle, I think. But I, I'm, well. The Gryffindor symbol is a lion, yes. It just um, weirds me out, kind of, because it's an understandable Patronus for Gryffindor, but. Yeah. I can't remember which series of fiction it, it is, or I think it was one of the early ones, and then maybe some others have picked it up, too where they decide that the symbol is actually something called a golden griffin, which is much more lion-like but keeps the wings. Right. The Isn't that symbol the on the thing is just like the wing. The wings are folded against its side or something, so you can't tell it's a griffin instead of a lion. Isn't and, that the thing where Harry becomes an animagus that is a golden griffin? Mm-hmm. Yeah, doesn't yes. he have, a, doesn't have an arm? What? <laughs> what? Oh, yeah, because he, he took the dark mark and then he cut it off. Or something. I don't remember that. He doesn't have an <laughs> arm. Where you are. <laughs> I think this is. An, I think this story. is Barb's fix again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think some other fix have picked up that idea of a golden griffin as well. Because I've read it in more places than just that. Well, anyway, we are, you anyway, do have a point. But. Yeah. Threw me out for a second, and I was just like, okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And. Godric rushes back to the walls and says, okay, what's going on? And they figured out what else was there. There's a pack of werewolves Werewolves. surrounding the castle. (laughs) Oh, great. Just what we need. And, you know, the Patronus isn't going to work on them, but they can't break through stone. At least we know that much. And I like Helga. Well, at least we only have to hold them off until the moon sets. But honestly, what's next? Vampires? Vampires. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it does feel like the closing of the third act of like a, a show like Doctor Who, where it's just like, and if it just couldn't get any worse, here's another thing. Emergency! Mm-hmm. Another! Another! And yeah. It's just like, how are they going to get out of this one? Come back next week and find out. So they but think the- about fire. Is fire going to work? And so they decide to try that, but and they decide Maybe Godric can build walls or something so they can't get any closer or... Yeah. Firewalls. And they decide that the Dementors suck away light and warmth, so perhaps they feed on the fire. But what if we make it really cold around them? That might work. Mm-hmm. This is where the freezing charm comes in? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they get the light tickle? And Godric thinks that's odd because the Dementors themselves make it cold around them. But Rowena brings up the fact that it's something that's been a little bit odd in canon, that apparently they feed on happy memories, and yet what you use to make a Patronus is happy memories. Mm-hmm. So it's something like the idea is if they get too much of it, they're sort of thrown off. Right. It's just, it's like they get drunk. Mm-hmm. Concentrated dose and a short amount or of Or Rowena's example is blowing too hard in a flame because it uses oxygen to burn but if you blow too much you blow it out you blow it out right so she casts these freezing winds towards the dementors and they slow down and eventually they sort of stop in place and then godric tries his crushing thing again and it seems to work even better when they're frozen except they sort of turn into dust and he's not sure if that'll do weird things to the soil (laughs) i don't think they ever 
come back to that. But. No, I don't think they do. And they don't want to kill the werewolves because they could possibly be as innocent as Salazar is. And so they're just trying to keep them still and in one place until after the moon goes down so that they can talk to them and, you know, find out more about them. Mm-hmm. So Gondrick's having to do a lot of work, but yep. Rowena's doing winds and things as well. And they don't have any idea... Because once again, this is not something that would ordinarily happen. Even if there was, for some reason, a pack of werewolves, they would not be all attacking the castle, especially at the same time as Dementors. So somebody has to have made this happen, but they can't find whoever it might have been. Yeah, whoever's behind this, whoever's been orchestrating this has disappeared. And they don't know if he fled when his army was frozen or when the werewolves were neutralized or when. But they know that by the time dawn arrives, he's gone. Mm -hmm. So Godric heads back down to let Salazar out of the chamber. This is what they've started calling his little stone room, by the way. That was a few chapters back, but they've started referring to it just as the chamber so that the students don't know what it is. So he comes and gets Salazar out, and it's worse than it's been in a long time. Right. He's been, he was so worked up, and maybe there was some sort of controlling thing from whoever this was. And everything's just got worse. He's completely passed out, and he can't talk to him, so he just brings him up to Helga. And Helga's concerned about the other werewolves as well. They've kind of made a prison slash hospital ward for them until they find out more about them. And they've got Sarah in working on healing with them and a couple of the other students that are kind of into the healing arts as well. And she goes up to take care of Salazar. And Mm -hmm. she's really kind of shocked at how bad he looks too, just because, like you said, it hasn't been like this in a long time. Once he wakes up a little bit, they manage to get him to understand that nobody was hurt, which helps him a lot. They say nobody on our side, at least. Like, well, it's not like hurting Dementors really counts. And there's nothing to clean up. And uh, this is when he finds out there's all these other werewolves, and now they have them off in some other wing of the school. He's mm-hmm. a little shocked. Yeah. And somewhat upset. He's a lot upset. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. For being a werewolf, he has a pretty good prejudice against them. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, part of it's because they attacked the school, but they were compelled to attack the school. And then Mm -hmm. he lets us know that he heard something just before he transformed, and he knows who did it. And it's someone from his from his homeland, from his village. At first, they think maybe it was his father, and he says no, it wasn't. But he did recognize them. So what he says is he's brought it down on them because he sent this letter several chapters back last mm-hmm. week. He sent a letter to his father to let him know that he'd found a good place, even though he was pretty sure he'd never get a response and they wouldn't even care necessarily. He sent it anyway. Right. And he's afraid that now because he sent this letter, they know where he is. And that's why whoever this guy is has come to attack them. Mm-hmm. And. Yeah, because they don't want him passing on the secrets to the outsiders, or worse yet, to let the muggles know. And so their one of their first thoughts is for Megan's parents, and they decide they're going to send them because they could turn on them if they knew that she was in the school. 
Mm-hmm. Which they probably do. Mm-hmm. And they wonder, is the whole enclave against them? Is this guy just an emissary and they're all going to start attacking them left and right? Or, And he says, probably he was working on his own. And now that he's been defeated, they won't let you at him, but they'll also be mad at him for doing it in the first place. So no one will be back. Right, because they're so secretive that drawing attention to themselves is something that they don't want. And now he's drawn attention to them. So they'll take care of it in their own little ranks and make sure that it doesn't happen again. Mm-hmm. Internal affairs, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Helga's feeling torn because Salazar has passed out again now, or gone to sleep at least, and she'd like to stay with him, but there are all these other werewolves also that probably need care, and what should she do? And Godric ends up offering to stay himself, and she goes to look in on the other werewolves. Yeah. Because although Sarah is learning to be a healer, she's not there yet, so she needs some help. And we didn't mention, but the baby William has been born, and he's probably about a year old, maybe? He's not walking yet, but I get the impression he wasn't... I didn't get the impression he was an infant infant. I think he's a little bit older than that. Mm -hmm. So I guess they skipped quite a bit of time between Chapter 9 and 10, or into the next year at least by now. Yeah. And we find out that some of the werewolves are children. Mm-hmm. And, and that's one reason they think they can't have been there voluntarily. And Salazar, of course, is still worried because even if they weren't all there voluntarily, some of them might have been. And what if they get out and start hurting the people in the school? And again, the other three are like, you know, we are fairly capable. We've taken precautions. We're not just letting them do whatever they want. Yeah, We're not stupid. <laughs> <laughs> And then he apologizes to Godric because he tried to bite him. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Apparently twice. I can't remember when the second time was. Yeah. I must have been on the way to the chamber or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So, again, we have the banter and, you know, stop arguing with me and rest. Just be careful and, and back and forth and stuff. And mm-hmm. You're really not encouraging sometimes, Godric. You're not very optimistic sometimes, Salazar. <laughs> They keep going on, but eventually Godric convinces them that they do know what they're doing, and even if there was only one of them there, they could still stop him from hurting them if he was just starting the transformation at the time. And uh, they thought about the dangers from some of these people and all of the possibilities, and maybe not all of them will even want to stay. Some of them didn't survive the battle to start with. He tries to say they know what they're doing. And Salazar still doesn't quite believe him. He says, really, you just make it up well. (laughs) (laughs) And Salazar keeps his eyes open barely long enough to roll them. (laughs) Yes. He's a very sarcastic and amusing sort of guy in this. That's often how Salazar gets portrayed if he's a nice guy. Mm -hmm. He's just sort of sarcastic guy. I don't know who I could compare him to, really. He's similar to some of the... Nice portrayals of Snape, but mm-hmm. those aren't actually similar to canon Snape, so I can't really compare them necessarily. <laughs> on to chapter 11, which is, if you're reading on the one with titles called Sorting Things Out, which might uh, give you a hint as to what's going on in this one. Uh-huh. Take a guess, people. Take a guess. <laughs> Come on. Anybody know? Hmm. Give you a hint. I'm going to take off a hat. Does it have anything to do with a hat? I think maybe it does. 
So, but it starts off with uh, Salazar waking up and Megan hanging out with him. And he's like, Megan, why are you here? And she's like, Professor Hufflepuff asked me to bring you food and give you portions and tell her how you are. And he says, oh, I suppose she's busy with all the injured. And he's, you can tell her, you know, that I'm fine. And Megan says, uh, I don't think she'd believe me. <laughs> yeah, because he's not really fine. No. And he says, how is everything? And she says, strange. And he says, clearly we need to work on your speaking skills. <laughs> well, things are a little weird because the corridors have shifted around some and everybody's tired and the dementors well. have been. Yeah. Apparently they don't have chocolate as a remedy. Mm-hmm. Which is another thing that kind of brings it back to, yes, this is a thousand years from the 90s. All you do to get over a Dementor attack, it, it sort of it lingers and lasts quite a long time. And you just sort of have to be together and tell happy stories if you can and things jokes. like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tell jokes Maybe they need like a knock-knock. Knock-knock jokes? Knock-knock. Oh, please, yeah. no. I don't think those have been uh, invented yet either. But... <laughs> And there are apparently 14 of the werewolves left. There used to be 15, but one of them died that morning. And they've all been sleeping all the time because they're charmed to sleep. And they're apparently getting the most rest of anybody. Yeah. And that's one of their ways of keeping everybody safe is to keep them sleeping. Mm -hmm. So Megan just kind of watches him while he eats. And he's like, "Um, did she tell you to make sure I eat too? And Megan's like, yeah, (laughs) kind of. Mm-hmm. Make sure you stay awake long enough to finish it. And this is where I've been talking about a couple of times. But they have a conversation about her life and why it is that she's still nervous around him because he still thinks it's because he's a werewolf. And he says, you know, this is the time when you can be least nervous because I'm completely exhausted and not going to change again for another month. And she says, it's not really that. It's because you're from those people around my town and they were really insular and scary and we sort of learn what their philosophy is which does sort of dovetail quite well with the pure blood philosophy from the books well they don't have as much problem with muggle-born wizards they just think muggles themselves are a lesser form of human and he says but at least they do think muggles are human which they don't of him anymore because he's a werewolf right and she says do you think that way there were lesser humans, and he said, well, I did once, because I never knew muggles. And now that I know them, I don't feel that way. Mm-hmm. Apparently, Rowena comes from a long line of aristocratic muggles, but she's the first witch in her line. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of interesting. I haven't seen that interpretation of her before. Right. I'm curious, too, what line of muggles she is a part of. Mm-hmm. That would be need to find out. I think they should write a story about how the other three of them sort of came together, but mm-hmm. seeing mm-hmm. it's been quite a while since they wrote this one, I don't suppose they will, but you never know. Probably not. So, they keep talking about it. He says, I'm sorry I couldn't answer your question better. She says, but at least you answered me. You could have told me not to be impertinent. And he said, I'm a teacher, we like questions. She says, yeah, but you don't like personal ones, so... Thank you for answering. And uh, he goes back to the soup and they continue talking for a little bit. But mm-hmm. And explain what we'd already said about the reason he wasn't taking 
Muggleborns into his house at the start anyway, though apparently he's taken a few since, was just he was worried about them because mm-hmm. if the Muggleborns were revealed as having magic, they'd be vulnerable to attack because they're only children and they're surrounded by Muggles all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And then he tells her that they're fetching her family so that she doesn't have to worry about them with the villagers. Mm-hmm. And he isn't really sharing many of the community's secrets, except maybe some of the potions ones, because everybody else there knows more about the other bits anyway. Right. So there's nothing to reveal so much. Mm-hmm. And he says, you know, all I need right now is rest. I don't need any healing, actually, just rest. And she says, and food. Professor Hufflepuff was very insistent. And he says, yeah, I think Professor Hufflepuff just likes a sturdy husband. Bubba chicka wow wow. Mm-hmm. Well, you like to oblige her at that, don't you, sir? And he just sort of <laughs> looks at her. <laughs> he takes a big bite. <laughs> yeah. Rest assured, he won't be dying today because he still has too much to do. And he's been thinking. Because mm-hmm. he's been confined to bed all this time and nothing to do but think about things. So he's come up with an idea. Yes. Let's make a sorting hat. Well, we don't know it's a sorting hat yet. Let's enchant an object, object with... With our minds to do the sorting for us. I've been working on it for days. Just think it'll sort even better than we do. And they're like, why? <laughs> mm-hmm. We don't need this. But he's... Never, Helga's surprised he hasn't ever mentioned it. But he was working things out. And besides, whenever he saw her and she wasn't immediately passing out, he had other things on his mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And Rowena apparently has been working on this charm to find all the magical students in the aisles because so far they've still just been either inviting people themselves, in which case they've already picked them for their houses, or they've had friends or acquaintances of theirs sending the children without them knowing, and that's when they've had to sort of go in and sort them as they arrive, which has been a little bit troublesome. Mm-hmm. And then when Salazar says, in... A few years, we'll have people graduate and have their own kids, and then they'll all be sending their kids back, and there'll be a lot of them, and we won't be able to know who they all are and sort them before they get here. Right. So So it does make sense. And Godric's not sure that they can actually put bits of their mind into something, but Rowena's eyes light up, and she's all excited, and she's like, yeah, we can do this. (laughs) Of course, you can challenge a, um, what is she? Ravenclaw. Ravenclaw. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As. They'd have to work together on it, but there's no reason it shouldn't work. And since they work together well enough themselves, hopefully their minds would be able to work together to sort people. So they've got this idea. Godric just need the object. Mm-hmm. And Rowena immediately suggests the quill, which is kind of fun. <laughs> I guess she I, did get I, I, to enchant her quill because that's what figures out where all the students are. Mm-hmm. But, uh, it wasn't the sorting quill. And Godric grins and says, I have a perfect solution. And Salazar's like, no rocks. No rocks. <laughs> <laughs> we want the children to be able to pick it up. Like, come on, we just make it a pillar. They walk up and touch it. It'll be fine. It'll but that's not what I was thinking. <laughs> Here's my hat. Light enough for you? And they're like, that is the ugliest hat I've ever seen. It's hideous. Hideous. <laughs> Yeah, oh, they shouldn't insult it. Hmm? They shouldn't insult it. Yeah, don't insult no, that. It's never good. It's not alive at this point, so, you know. That's true. It's not charmed to 
last, but it's been looking like it should fall apart for years and years, and it hasn't yet. And it's apparently made of some sturdy things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dragon hide? No, it's made from the hide of a griffin. Yes, apparently. And they're trying to work out how they would do things and whether whatever enchantments it was would interfere with anything else they put on it. And he says, no, it's just this griffin hide. So other than being intrinsically magical itself, it doesn't have other enchantments. I guess somebody sent it to him because his, he's been known for being a griffin symbol or whatever. Right. So they just sent him this griffinskin hat. But, uh, I like Helga says, tells him that she'll find him a new hat because if he picks out one, it'll just be as hideous as the last one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the thing that makes them all agree is Helga says, well, if we make it the sorting hat, you won't be able to wear it all the time. And the rest of them are like, let's use it. <laughs> <laughs> Great idea. So mm-hmm. they come together four days later and they have a cauldron filled with something that looks kind of like milk. And I was expecting apologies. Glowing, apparently. Yeah. And it's basically. I don't want to drink my glowing milk, but you know. <laughs> yeah, I don't want my milk glowing either. But it reminds me of a pensive. They put yeah, their. I thought of that too. Their thoughts in there. They pull out their thoughts like you would with a pensive and put it in there, and then they're going to soak that in it. Mm-hmm. And eventually it'll need some physical thing, but it can't be body parts because cells are sort of wrote that out of the spell because otherwise the griffin skin would affect it somehow and they'd have a hat with a personality of a griffin. Yeah, which, uh, we don't want that. Would not work. <laughs> and uh, Godric puts in a thought about all of them. And Rowena says, oh, dear, better counteract that, and puts in her own. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And they banter back and forth about how defining each other might actually be more accurate than defining themselves, Mm -hmm. and etc. Apparently, it only needs to be one object. I didn't quite get that on the first pass. I thought it would be one from each of them. Mm -hmm. But they just have to have a, a joint object to put it at the end. Yeah, and Salazar's kind of in charge of finding that at the moment. And they decide to kind of leave the thoughts thing, I don't know, cauldron out for a while, and they can kind of come by and add thoughts for the next couple of days as they <laughs> think of them. Brilliant! And it needs to it needs to cure for 20 days or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or I guess that's how long the hat has to soak. Right. They've assigned them all different parts to do, and Rowena is the one who's working on the reading of minds because she's the only one who can do much with that. And Godric connected to the school, and Helga gets to be the voice, I guess. Work on how that works anyway. I don't think the hat sounds like Helga. She gets to figure that out anyway. Um, and now I have, and we have a little bit of three weeks to figure out a spell to make it speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we have a little bit of foreshadowing here. Because Salazar suggests, you know, Rowena, as soon as you figure out this mind-reading thing, you could put it in whenever you want, because it'll just sort of meld more with the thoughts from the potion, so that'll be fine. Mm -hmm. And she says, I don't want to rush it. We have plenty of time. And Salazar's sort of like, yes, of course we do. And you can tell that he... Do it anyway. something wrong. Yeah. He has some things in mind that he's worried about. Mm -hmm. He doesn't let on. Yeah. And they move on to talking about the group of werewolves, Helga's patients, and apparently there was one more who wasn't going to live in peace and made some sort of stink about it, and one of the other witches who was in there with them, she was also a werewolf, Mm -hmm. uh, sort of put paid to him. Yeah, she took care of him. (laughs) 
Don't need to worry mm. about him anymore. Hmm. And Salazar's still worried because even if they didn't do it voluntarily, something got them to attack the school once and wants to stop them from doing it again. And Rowena says, well, you said whoever it was before wasn't going to come back. And they are confined and everything. So. Yeah. And he's still worried, but he decides to let it go for now and says, okay, you two run off, get to work providing William with a cousin. And Helga and I will be uh, unavailable. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to go work on a brother. Yeah, yeah, that's it. On to chapter 12. And there's a... Go ahead. I'm just going to say goodnight. Yeah, Trisha's leaving us. Yeah, I'm right. sorry. Just, I would have mm-hmm. finished so badly, but it's midnight already. It's already tomorrow. Yes. Good night. Good night, Trisha. Trisha's from the future. Good yeah, night. I'm from Sleep the well. future. You're Not from that the far future. future. But I'm from the future. Thank you for staying as long as you could. Thank you. I wish I could finish it. Do you have right. any final thoughts about the story as a whole? It was very interesting. The language is, is what I had the little problem with. I keep reverting to Marauders and expecting to see Sirius and all those guys with it. But, I mean, it's a good fic. It's, it's very well thought out. Um, the jumping does get a little confusing at times. But it's it's neat. It's just the twist at the end. Is, it, it just wasn't what I expected, and I liked it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thanks for going through this with us. And, uh, yeah. I guess we'll see you on the 7th, possibly. Yeah. Yeah. Good night. All right. Good night. Sleep well. Hang up on me because I don't know how to hang up yet. Okay. (laughs) So, I like the way this starts. Time passed very differently when you're a rock. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Fun entrance. And apparently, this is because Godric has been working through connecting the hat to the castle. So he's sort of embodying the castle for a moment. Mm-hmm. This is where he's wondering a little bit what it is specifically that's made it more aware of living people than most stone, because really, for a rock, nothing matters, because light and darkness is just there, and anything living has this tiny, tiny lifespan compared to rocks. Mm-hmm. So Godric has connected the hat into the castle, and he's had to use his wand to do it. It's a little fragile right now, and he doesn't want something coming through and knocking it off before everything's set. So he's physically stuck his wand between a brick and the brim of the hat, I sort of imagine. Yeah, and he doesn't need it probably for the next couple of days, so that's cool. He's never needed the wand for stonework before, so he doesn't think that he's going to need it. And then he kind of stands up and he realizes he's really stiff and he's probably sitting there much longer than he's realized that he's been sitting there. Mm-hmm. And, and we've skipped again to the end of this month or the, the 20 days was going to be pretty close on to the next full moon. and mm-hmm. th- That's where we are now. Right. And, uh, and this is where I can really start saying chess pieces start to move. And I mean, it's, it's fairly obvious that she's wrapping up and she has to get to a certain point. So you can see things starting to move around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we find out that Salazar's become much calmer since the snake started hanging out with him. And the it's, company really seems so to the, ease the, the madness. Yeah. And the, the group of werewolves who have got out of the hospital and such have, have set up their own little village and said that it would be easier with all of them there. And mm-hmm. so 
he doesn't really have any reason to worry about that because he did notice this was Salazar. He was thinking of going to check on them, but there maybe isn't time, so he goes to find Salazar instead. And my take on this is that he set up the village so that he has control over it and he's able to lock them into mm-hmm. the stone so that they can't get out and come and possibly attack the students or whatever. They're pretty much locked in the same way that Salazar gets locked in. It's just that they're in there together and that seems to really ease them. When there's mm-hmm. more than one. This is their first moon with them all here and he's sort of wondering if they're going to open it up the next day and find they've all torn each other to pieces, but maybe they won't because he's noticed this with Charissa and Salazar. So. Mm-hmm. so he heads off to find Salazar and he finds Salazar walking down the corridor and he's like, yo, Sal, you're going the wrong way. And Salazar says, no, I'm going to show these kids the difference between uh gillywig that's normally molted and stuff that's been kind of dry rotted or moldy. And Godric just gapes at him again. You know, what? Salazar's like, is there something wrong? And he's trying not to mention in front of the students, you're a werewolf, but... The moon is coming. And so he says, I'll show them later. You guys run along. I'll come and get you in a little bit and I'll show you. And Salazar pretty much loses it. He's like, I can show them myself. I believe potions is still my subject. And Godric's like, yeah, but plants are mine. And I need you for something else. The moon rises early tonight. And hopefully then it'll jar him and remind him. He can't imagine why he would have to remind Salazar that the full moon is tonight, but Salazar is acting very strange, so he doesn't, it's like, hey, I'll just give you this little reminder. Let's see what happens. He's in a mood. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, his moon time's big time this time. Yep. You think I don't know? Of course I know when the moon rises. I pay attention to that. You don't have to be watching over me all the time. I can take care of myself. And Godric is like, yeah, but there isn't time to show them properly and get back before the moon rises. And Salazar is just not having any of this. Mm-hmm. And Salazar is like, go see about your pets, meaning the other werewolves. And Godric's, you know, I'm more concerned about you right now. And mm-hmm. Salazar's like, but they've been dangerous before. They've destroyed the school if they were given the chance. It's all well to preach tolerance, but even you can't be stupid enough to risk the students with your blasted ideals. And Godric's like, yeah, but you know what? You're one of my ideals, too. And you're my friend. And what is going on with you? He just doesn't get it. And I don't think Salazar realizes what's going on either. Mm-hmm. He's really kind of lost it by this point. Mm-hmm. He's just getting mad at Godric for apparently telling him what to do all the time. And Godric says, it was your idea. You said it was a good idea. And Godric says, oh, you three agreed and didn't give me any choice. And they're still talking about the other werewolves. He says, I never wanted them in the school. Godric says, most of them had nowhere else to go. Where would you have suggested? And Salazar doesn't care as long as it's anywhere else. We never should have taken them. And all of these things, they never actually refer directly to the werewolves in the village. No, they refer to him as much. Any of the students who happen to be lurking and listening can get any idea they like from this argument. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and finally Godric says, would you rather be out in the woods on your own? And Salazar's like, if it gets me away from you, I should have left a long time ago. I'll correct that now. And Godric says, you know, if he'd gone towards the chamber, I'd let him go. But he didn't. So Godric blocks his path. And Salazar's like, you're in my way. 
and then this is stubborn enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And finally, okay. Godric's just saying, you know, if you go that way, you're going to endanger the students. You have to go either to the chamber or outside. And Salazar is just really lost it by now. And he pulls out his wand and just wants Godric to get out of the way. And of course, Godric doesn't have his wand because he's just put it down to work on the sorting hat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the only yeah. thing he actually has now is his sword, which Salazar himself had sort of forced him to carry around on full moon nights in case he escaped. And I'm not quite sure how this sword wins over the wand, because it seems to in this case. And it seems to me that if Salazar has the wand pointed at Godric, by the time Godric pulls the sword out and banishes it at Salazar, Salazar could have hexed him. Mm-hmm. Well, he's but, not but exactly. Have... Go ahead. He's not exactly in his right mind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What they sort of have here is she has the werewolf transformation happening a lot slower than you usually see. And by the time that Godric's got his sword out, Salazar's far gone up that he can't speak anymore. He's just snarling at him. So he's not going to think up spells to cast. That makes sense. So he just sort of pricks him in the chest with the sword and ends up turning him around and marching him off to the chamber. He keeps having to just sort of hold the sword to his back, and eventually, as Salazar's transforming, he grabs him by the neck and lifts him that way. Yeah, kind of by the scruff, and drags him in. He has to be really careful because he's trying to bite him, and at one point he actually draws blood with the sword, and then he just feels awful because he's used Mm -hmm. his sword on a friend, on a brother. Yeah, and he's had to... He basically throws him into the chamber and... uh, Charissa coils around him and drags him off into the small one. Mm-hmm. And Godric gets it closed and basically Barely. collapses. Yeah. Yeah. And he throws the sword away from him. He doesn't want to ever see the sword again. He's just so upset that he had to use it. And, you know, he hates this. Salazar is like a brother to him. And once a month, he has to treat his brother like an animal. And if Salazar is going to be acting like this from now on, that's not going to work. He wonders if there's a way to get him down into the chamber early and maybe use the Caduceus spell to calm him down and stuff like that because he doesn't want to have to keep doing this. This is too hard. And he does. it's not mm-hmm. that he doesn't want to help Salazar. It's just that it hurts him personally so much to be treating Salazar like this. Mm-hmm. He's trying to listen in case he's still being in a frenzy and he can't hear but he doesn't want to risk thinning the stone out mm-hmm. and he just has to wait and it seems the longest he's ever been down there and he opens it up again and Salazar won't wake up and he's, yeah he's laying really still he tries to feel a pulse he doesn't feel anything he tries to wake him up and it's not working and he's like shaking him and swearing at him and Charissa's starting to get upset and he finally mm-hmm. just he tries to innovate spell wandlessly, but he doesn't have his wand, so he can't levitate him. He ends up carrying him up to Helga. Mm-hmm. You know, Helga will fix him. She can fix everything, but uh-huh. not in this case. No. And he just puts him on the bed, and he finds Rowena, and they sort of collapse into each other. Mm-hmm. And Rowena says, I didn't expect this to happen, and Helga says, I did. But I didn't think it would be quite this soon. She saw that he was getting worse and worse, and it was the strain was just telling on him. 
because he's supposed to be from a particularly long-lived family, and yet he was getting gray hair and all these things going on. Yeah. He just couldn't survive it. His body just gave out. And yeah. Godric says, but he was still young, and she said he should have been. And Helga, you know, I'm so sorry, Helga. And she just shakes her head. and Yeah, he, he's still worried because he says, I drew a sword on my friend, and she says when he was in his right mind, he would have done anything rather than harm anyone. So mm -hmm. he wouldn't blame you for that. No, he would thank you for that. So Salazar is gone, and Godric thinks the castle is just empty. Yeah. Even though there's still all the students, and they're running around being almost as boisterous as anything, but Salazar's gone, so he's empty. Yeah, the students are gathered together quietly. Classes have been canceled, and everyone is kind of going to grieve. And he's surprised, but not very surprised, that he finds himself wandering around, and he wanders down into the chamber. And the path in there is really mm -hmm. slippery. He made it that steep and s slippery when he was going in to keep the werewolf's paws skidding, and so he couldn't get back at him. And when he gets down there, Sarah's down, and she tells him to be careful. Mm -hmm. This is sort of the start of path becoming what ends up at the end of the pipe, I think. Mm -hmm. The bathroom isn't built above this yet, but it didn't used to be that slippery, but he did just now when Salazar was struggling. Yeah. And he's looking at the things that he's made, the columns with the snakes on them and the monkey statue. Godric looks, and it really does look like a monkey. Yeah, kind of makes he him almost smile. takes everything out. Yeah, but he doesn't. Decides to leave it. And, and something kind of... I noticed uh, just now is that we apparently didn't find the chamber that Salazar was in in the books because the chamber that we saw is the antechamber that mm -hmm. Godric has made this big giant room with all the stuff. Right. And Harry never had occasion to go beyond that. Right. So. I think it's kind of like in some of the fics that I've read, and is it in the movie as well that the snake comes out of Salazar's mouth, the statue's mouth? And mm -hmm. so That's from canon, yes. Then, you yeah, know, it was in the inner chamber and it came out. So at least in canon, the inner chamber would be through the statue, but I don't think it's mm -hmm. that way here. And we find out that Charissa is uh, very unhappy. A very unhappy mm -hmm. snake. <laughs> Sarah is there and has been talking to her, apparently. I think the word is pissed. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. She's sulking. <laughs> mm hmm And she's especially not happy with Godric because he's the one that sealed him in and also the one that was shaking him, trying to wake him up, and she just didn't understand, I think, that he mm -hmm. was doing that to help, not to hurt. And all she saw or sensed yeah. was him shaking his friend or her friend, her father. And yeah. that didn't work. And Godric mentions that um, he says that he's sorry and maybe William will be a parcel as well and he can come talk to her. Mm -hmm. And Charissa just hisses shortly and uh, he says doesn't sound like she cares for the idea. Yeah. She's still in a bad mood. Yeah. So. <laughs> and she's not quite the snake that you want mad at you. No. No. But she's but, uh, so well trained that she has tried to look at anybody, so that's good. Sarah says, you know, she doesn't come out of the chamber much on her own anyway, 
that the Jew maybe seal something off so she can't get out accidentally and just wander into the school. Mm-hmm. And so Godric's going to arrange that because they already have a spell in place that attracts rats and things down there so she can eat. Which I think is a brilliant idea. And uh, so he, yeah, that this is he shifts things around so that the statue does become an entrance mm-hmm. and tells Sarah to give it a parcel tongue password. Right, and she can change it, or William can change it later. But now you have to be a parcel tongue to actually get in. Mm-hmm. And she says, that, "And it's speak to me, Slytherin." Becomes the password. Yeah, which is cool. Obviously, nobody ever changed it. No. Well, I assume that somebody added Gators to the Hogwarts four. Or Tom was just doing that as a flourish. Possibly. As long as you say the first part, doesn't matter. But he might have. Tom, Tom He's the sort of I, yeah. I, I can see the point. Tom seems to type to add flourish word, you know, it's not needed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Sarah says she sort of knew something was going on because it's a lot harder to hide being tired when you're speaking in parcel tongue, apparently. Because yeah. I guess snakes don't dissemble that much or something. But mm-hmm, um, she keeps expecting to maybe see his ghost. But Godric says no, he wasn't afraid of death. No, the only, the thing, only he thing he was, he was afraid, of. afraid of was hurting people. Himself. Yeah, he was afraid of himself. He comments to Sarah that the statue does look like a monkey, but she doesn't get it. No. (laughs) No. And he picks up this sword and takes it with him, even though, because I think she tells him, oh, you forgot your sword, and he doesn't want it anymore. So, But he takes it with him and goes up to where the hat is and Mm -hmm. decides that he's going to use the sword as the piece that they need, the last piece that will set the magic in place. Release the spell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so Helga's feeding William. And, and they have Rowena, William there. Yeah, Rowena's yeah. kind of frowning. and So they kind of all gather around and he says, William can be Salazar's part. He's going to yeah. represent your father. And he yeah. plunges the uh, sword, into sword the... in, and he says, By four begun into one whole, united as four forever. Yeah, and the spell is settled, and Helga says something, and then the hat starts to talk. They're, yeah. they're a little surprised. <laughs> Godric says, I don't want the sword back. Keep it and give it to someone who's going to use it to do good. Right. Which is plot point set up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the head and, uh, lets him know that Salazar has had this another brilliant idea, and when the new students come, the hat's going to sing to them. A thousand years or more ago, when I was newly sown, there lived four wizards of renown whose names are still well known. Bold Gryffindor from Wildmoor, Fair Ravenclaw from Glen, Sweet Hufflepuff from Valley Broad, Shrewd Slytherin from Fen. They shared a wish, a hope, a dream. They hatched a daring plan to educate young sorcerers. Thus, Hogwarts school began. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hogwarts goes, yeah. sing? Okay. I'll look forward to that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. He didn't tell us about that. Oh, all right. Okay. Well, it's going to settle down and start composing its first song. Cause, um, mm-hmm. Ambition is tough to rhyme, you know. Yeah. And then I thought tradition, and then I'm like, hmm, fiddle around the roof. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Tradition! 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 
they put the hat, apparently, in Helga's study to wait, which makes me think maybe that's where the headmaster's office will be eventually, mm-hmm. which is kind of fun. It is, and it makes me very happy that hat's in with me in Hufflepuff. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, and um, it says they brought it out when the new students arrived, and then it did sing for them, not beautifully, but the students still saw their teachers crying. Mm-hmm. And Godric never asked Helga if the hat talked to her about Salazar at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's the end of the main portion of the fic. There's an author's note here. It says, the title of this chapter is taken directly from the Order of the Phoenix sorting song, because even if the hat was sounded cheerful when it first spoke, using the sword to finish off the hat left a strong impression. And just in case you're reading on Snookle like I was and have no idea what it's talking about, the title for this chapter is And the Clash of Friend on Friend, mm-hmm. which is what happened during this chapter. Yes. And we move on to chapter 13, a.k.a. the epilogue. My favorite chapter of this entire fic. <laughs> <laughs> because there's this a explains twist. Because if you're where everything attention. comes from. If you've been paying attention, the relationship with Helga and Salazar and Rowena and Godric has been pretty amicable. They've been friends all along. So where does it come in that Salazar leaves? And that there was strife and stuff like that. And this is where we find out where mm-hmm. the rumors have come in. And I mm-hmm. sort of, I picked some of that up as they were having the argument in the last chapter. As you look at that, you're going, oh, there's nothing that says he's referring to the werewolves instead of to muggleborns. Mm-hmm. Which is, I mean, why I said that you could see the chess pieces moving around. But, I mean, it's always interesting thinking, you know, in a thousand years, you know, what are they going to say about us? What are our children's children's children going to think about us? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's so incredibly interesting to... And also, at this point, there's there's not very many people really who would have been writing stuff down. So it's all passed on orally, and it's all a giant game of telephone, really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because, yeah, Salazar definitely isn't looking like stereotypical Salazar at this point. So either some drastic things have got to happen or some really weird telephone has gone on down the ages with the history. So we'll have to see. We shall. (laughs) What? Sue knows what happens. It can't say anything. Remember what you said, Scott, because... That's very good. Alrighty. We're going to put you down as a mic prediction. Uh (laughs) The epilogue has several different sections of the gossip among the students, basically. Mm -hmm. And it starts out with the time right after Salazar's death. And they're talking about how it was was just sudden. I mean, he was sick all the time, but you expected him to die. And Helga looks terrible, and maybe it was his heart. And you'd think he was young. I mean, there were gray hairs still, but he's a wizard. He's so young. And that was the first time. But you yeah. never keep a story that simple. Mm-hmm. Right. Then it goes on to, well, Professor Gryffindor and Professor Slytherin were fighting that night. Thomas said he was around the corner when it happened, and Professor Gryffindor used his sword. And Slytherin kept shouting about how dangerous beasts he didn't want in the school. And Gryffindor said they could fight outside or in the chamber. What chamber? <laughs> so that starts the chamber. Mm-hmm. And then 
they start passing it on to the New Year's students every year at the feast or in the dormitories. And Well, he disappeared after this fight, and they said he died, of course, but he was really young, and he was raving on about monsters in the school, and, you know, he used to never let Muggleborns in, so maybe he was saying he shouldn't have ever let them in. And, and then they go on, and nobody is there anymore who ever knew him, but they're still telling the stories, and they still keep getting wilder and wilder. Yeah, so, to the yeah, point just, where, well, if you told, you know, this story to canon, you know, they'd probably laugh and, you know, wave, wave them off, like, this mm-hmm. isn't possible. Mm-hmm. How could Salazar Slytherin have possibly been a werewolf? And, you know, they said he was going off all the time, which he was because he was a werewolf and mm-hmm. had to disappear. And there was this thing called the chamber and there was some kind of monster in it and maybe he was going <laughs> to kill the Muggleborns and... It wasn't that he just left. He was forced out because there was this big fight. And then we get to the version that we heard in Chamber of Secrets. Right. There was a hidden chamber of which the other founders knew nothing. And he sealed the chamber himself so no one would open it until his own true heir arrived at the school. They could unleash the horror within and purge the school of all who were unworthy to study magic. Because after all, legends always have their basis, in fact. Which is, of course, what Hermione said at the time. No, that's what Professor Ben... No, wait. No, the, the line, legends have a basis, in fact, is what Hermione said, so oh, Professor Ben... Don't, tell don't all anything. legends have a basis, in fact. All right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's how and, she uh, got him to do it. Yep. Another thing that I was going to mention from the review replies that they have at the end of some of the things is that the village that the 14 werewolves went off to found is Hogsmeade. Mm-hmm. So all the first people in Hogsmeade were all werewolves, which, yeah. of course, they would never tell anybody, I don't suppose. <laughs> no, 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 no. But, that would be bad. That would not be in the history books. But uh. <laughs> Not so much. I really like this. You know, P.S. gave it to me to read, and I read it, and I thought, this is fun. And I liked the idea that Salazar, well, I liked the idea that Salazar was a werewolf to start with. And I liked the idea that there was no real strife, but that at the very end, there was a little bit because he had basically gone out of his mind and that the rumors had changed it from, oh, you know, he was a good person and a great professor to he hated all muggleborns and left a monster at the school. And I just thought it was a really interesting way to tell the story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're all very likable. I do see your point, Kat, that this Slytherin isn't really what I would have thought of for Slytherin to be like, even as a good guy. But at the same time, I enjoy the character that there is in this story anyway. The version of him in the Thinking Cap stories is similar to this, but I think a little bit more like I would have found Slytherin to be myself. But um, I enjoyed it. It was fun to read. The chapters themselves are fairly short, and I just sort of found myself continuing on all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't mm-hmm. stop after chapter six last week because I deliberately wanted to not know what was happening next, but uh, it was a good story. I enjoyed it. And, I mean, I want to be clear. I have such respect for people who post their works. I've been writing fanfic for years under various names. I've you know, been working on my own original work this summer. You know, I'm going to have issue with a Marauder Arafic, which I love. I'm going to have an issue with a Fred and George Arafic, which we've covered. 
I guess it's just the product of writing for so long and reading fanfics for so long that you start to see the little things that, you know, really aren't a big deal, but they start to bother you because you've seen them happen so many times. I mean, I remember like when I was really young, I used to just go to fanfiction.net, click on the Harry Potter link and just scroll down and pick one. And those are some of the worst fics I've ever read. <laughs> so those are the ones that I never even finished because I was like, I can't, no, it's it's not plausible enough. This is plausible enough that I finished it. It's plausible enough that I liked the path that they took me on. I thought it was a very sweet little story. It's just not how I imagined the founders. I mean, that's why I love podcasting because you get to see different perspectives. You get to hear about, you know, how everyone else looks looks at, you know, characterizations and plot points. And it's keeping an open mind and making sure that, you know, we're not going to be all like, oh, we love this all, but, you know, there's nothing wrong with it. Because every, every work, mm-hmm. canon mm-hmm. has things that are wrong with it that bother me. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And as Ryan brought up a whole bunch of times last season, we went in and read Kez's fic and took three sentences and spent half an hour on each of them because mm-hmm. something in it bugged us. You can go into stories you enjoy, and if you can't find anything off with the story, there's nothing to say. Right, then it's boring. You can always find something, even if you like absolutely everything in the story, there's bound to be some little thing that you can talk about and having things that you question about the story isn't a bad thing and it mm-hmm. makes for a better podcast anyway right. and a lot of your points I can see they're not things that occurred to me as I was reading them because I was caught up enough in the story that it didn't matter mm-hmm. but um, certainly if they decided to go back and write this story again there could have been things done differently mm-hmm. right but you can say that about just about anything yep mm-hmm I think in general, we liked it. As I said, it would be neat to see more about these characters and how they came to be where they were or some of the other stuff that happens later. But in general, I enjoyed the fic. It was an interesting idea. I liked all the various twists and I'm glad we covered it. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. So next week, you will get to listen to us on our first of four or so weeks on Teddy Lupin and the Forest Guard, which mm-hmm. is a novel-length story on Teddy Lupin, funnily enough, and some of his friends at Hogwarts. Yeah, so come uh, back and uh, join us. Yep. Yeah. And with that, I guess we will say goodnight. Good night, everyone. Night, guys. So hold on to the wonder that those books Keep each other safe. Keep faith. Good night.